Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 99 of the 505 podcast. We got our best moments of season two. We're wrapping it up, dude. That's oh, yeah. crazy. Great to be here. Great to have all three of you back Great under, to be here. Good. Christ, under dude. one I roof. I haven't dude. seen you in a minute, baby. I know. You were you were in Chicago. Yep, yeah. Shooting. Sorry, I just had you know. Yeah, I got to be careful. It, oh, is that your bad hand? This is bad. It didn't I, hurt. That I, didn't hurt. I hit it good. It's because it's frozen. I just put it in like ice. For no, the I knocked that solid. I can feel it on my knuckle still. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. The cold. Dude. It looks like you have a straight up boulder in yeah. your in your right hand. It's 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 feeling a little bit better. I can actually flatten it and close it today without it dude, hurting. I can't believe it's been that bad. Yeah, From it's terrible. Editing videos. Yeah, it's unbelievable. I wish it was a cooler story. You I should, really do. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough, dude. But you'll get past it, and then you can make a course about editing without with with one hand. Yeah, no, sustainable the, at, editing at the Kobe game or at the the statue game. Mm-hmm. Right, we're mm-hmm. we're there, and I'm I'm trying to suck it up. I took three Advil. I'm like, you know what? Fuck. I'm gonna be fine. I'm gonna be fine. I get over the arena because the night before, it's like was hurting me and I woke up and it was all swelled up the whole road trip when we were gone for two weeks it was kind of like tender I was like ah this isn't something like I really need to worry about and then when I woke up at that game I was like oh shit like I'm in trouble got to the game I tried to hold the camera and I'm like dude I just can't do it I literally I'm like I cannot hold the camera it is killing me and it was just like the whole hand was huge the massage therapist put some cream on it and it helped it it kind of Mm -hmm. numbed it numbed it out but I edited videos with one hand. The whole really? I, yeah, I was just cooking. Lefty, it, yeah, the, le- off hand, fucking south off hand. Just that was Braden's flu game. Yeah, yeah, that was my flu game. Yeah, dude, dude. Oh wait, we gotta get the one-handed crack presented by Leisure Hydration. Okay, what do you got for me here, Lefty? Oh man, dude, that's hard. Switch. This sad. This is bullshit. I started on the table. Let me restart. Okay, go. Oh, that was kind of bad. I can't. Bit. I can't even do it. Dude. Yeah, I'm sorry, oh, dude. Right, this go. is tough this to is just ru- ruin dude, my own game. I can't do the one-handed crack to save my fucking life. You'd think after 99 episodes, I'd at least not have two absolute craters. Hey, cheers, cheers fellas. Cheers. Yeah. It's good to God. be back. This is weird that this is the last episode that's going to be in the double digits because we're hitting a hundred next episode. It's yeah, insane. Dude. It's it's just that's like the Mile High Club, but it, podcasts. Yeah, know? I feel like you Centurion Club. Yes, talk about, it talk is. About stamina, dude. Yeah, dude. <laughs> we lasted a hundred. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. It's kind of crazy. Do you remember the the first day that we ever did? Roman swipe that mouth, fucking microphone. Last a hundred, dude. Couldn't you, think of the word. Fuck, I fucked it. God damn it. You had a literal Zoom H six on the table yep. for how many episodes? At least seven at least we thought it was a funny bit to have yeah. chase have like a different mic set up each episode well, it's we, didn't have we just one. didn't have one and i and i was historically cheap then i still am <laughs> and i was like no this is fine guys this is totally the same it did not sound the same the font was the best part the, the font, font was rough dude font. i can't pick a font actually Dude, speaking of which, I got tattoos. I got two <laughs> tattoos that are both font-based, which is funny. Okay. I designed them myself. It's stressful. Woke up. I woke up Sunday morning. No, woke up Saturday, and I was like, I want to get tattoos today. They only had tomorrow available, so I was like, all right, Sunday. And then I was like, <laughs> I knew I had been thinking these same. I was just actually think of, sick of thinking about tattoos because I had so many in my head that I'm like, I just got to get a couple so I can not think about this for a while. Um, designed one that I wanted where it's just like the text, found the font, just search on pages for hours. And then like kerned it out in Photoshop, you know, like, or the letting, is it? Yeah. And then I was like, fuck, I guess I'm getting that tomorrow on my body. Dude, I actually had, so I got, I got one of my ribs 
that says Old Pine. It's my favorite Ben Howard song. I also like my house in Minnesota. There's a lot of old pine trees. I got focus on my finger for pulling focus, camera stuff. Come on. And I got ADHD, so it's like a little bit of both. Um, it's a little autofocus, my, my <laughs> tattoo, <laughs> which sucks, but it's all good. Dude. No, I feel like it, it's fading. If you didn't tell me that it, it wasn't was a, on purpose, I wouldn't have thought a second about oh, yeah. it. Yeah, I, I would. I, I was gonna say this is this looks awesome. It, it kind of worked because I'll have this for like the rest of my twenties. But then, like once I'm older, it probably won't really be there. Which is like kind of how you want a tattoo, anyways. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think you gotta not tell people that and see what they say. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's finger tats. Also, Chloe has one, and yeah. it, it's worn. It's pretty faded. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that. I feel like they always they always kind of go away. And this one's really. Know? It's pretty del- like it's thin line and thin line on a finger on this part of your finger is just never gonna work. I think it looks really cool. I had though. a third one. It's funny. I was texting my girlfriend. I had a third one sketched up on my. You can see it shaven right here. Yeah, it was big and stuff. And I was gonna, that was the first one I was gonna have her do. And I sent a photo to my girlfriend, and she was like, "Wait, I don't know." I put my phone away, and I'm like, "I gotta focus." And I was like, "Shit, she doesn't like it. What do I think?" And then she stencils it on, and I look at it. And I'm like, "I can't get that." What was body, it, dude? It was like a sunset in South Korea. I was pretty drunk one night and this tattoo artist designed it for me and i was like that is the coolest thing and i was going to get it in south korea but they like have weird laws i had to wait and then i was like fuck it i have to fly home tomorrow i can't get this tattoo but i still had the design i took it to this lady and then she kind of did her own take and then seeing it on my arm i was like (laughs) it it looked the tattoo looked very feminine on my arm (laughs) and i was just not what i was going for it looked very girly and not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just not what I wanted. It's not on what you're going The most visible for. part of my body. Yeah. So then I was like, I got it. And I had to tell her, like, I don't want this. And she was like, in serio? Oh, it's in Spanish, too. So I was like, si. Nope. <laughs> no, no bueno. No bueno. No bueno. No bueno. Which city are you going to? So I'm going to Tokyo. Yeah, heard of it. Just Tokyo. Sick. Um, And I actually realized I'm under NDA for, like, the specific thing. But there's an event, X Summit, that is... I got invited by Fujifilm. It's X Summit so by Fujifilm. Rad. And so it's probably the coolest experience I have ever like had or gotten the opportunity to since do. Since Aspen. Through so, yeah, since yeah. Aspen. Yep. Me, and, uh, me and Chase. I first. wish we knew Brayden, dude. That would have been so good. <sighs> God, it would have yeah. been perfect, dude. Perfect ad. Sub a little out. <laughs> Bringing Brayden. I loved how you sent me his, his, his reel. Oh, Just ha ha ha. Anyways, um, easily the coolest experience I've gotten Sick. through social media is a completely free trip to... Tokyo, Japan, to make content for Fujifilm. Yeah, it's gonna be sick, dude. It's gonna be fun. And and I'm gonna um, use your bed while you're gone. Go for nice, it, dude. Me too. I'm, I'm still not bed. still not packed. Um, and I leave tomorrow morning, and it's all good. You'll be fine, dude. Yeah, that's just yeah. that's how it goes. Today, you, you won't believe this. Oh, oh, you know, you know the worst thing that I hate is losing a fucking AirPod. Oh, so I hate I it. I woke up the other the other day on Wednesday. I woke up from my bed. And I had them in when I went to bed for some reason. Sure. You was, fell asleep with them in? I knocked out. You didn't just, do it on purpose. Nope. Okay, not cool. accident. I, not, I was watching a talk and knocked out. I wake up, one AirPod in the ear. But I swore <laughs> before when I went to bed that there was a faint when I pulled the cover over yeah. that I heard a little. Oh. I, I swore I heard it. So this morning I, I woke up yesterday. I tore apart my entire room. Today I tore apart. I called Chloe. I it. go, you got to come over. I'm not spending $100 on a new AirPod. No. I'm like giving this company way too much money. And I can't do the find my thing. It's dead. Okay. Is there a small chance huh. that your ear swallowed the AirPod? That's where my head would go instantly. So I thought it was going to be more the bed. That's where my head went. Uh-huh. The bed ate it. And yeah. so I took off all the blankets, took everything off, shook it. Up. I, I went through the whole bed. Every single it's thing. not in the mattress? No, no, it's not under the thing. 
Chloe comes over, tears apart my whole room. My whole room yep. was an absolute yep. disaster. She's throwing clothes Dude, everywhere. I'm getting more anxiety from her coming mm-hmm. over to just mm-hmm. destroy it. She's like, I'm going to find it. I'm going to find it. Tear it all apart. Not there. She's like, it's gone. You should. She's like, if I can't find it, it's gone. I go to fill up water at the fridge. Oh. I look under the stove. Under the stove. It was literally sitting, leaned up against the wall. I'm like, where and how did I was like, I wasn't even out here. I went to bed. So I don't know how it went out there. It they have legs though, just like socks. Yeah, they just do. like socks. They literally do. That's the V3s. Yep, just like socks. They yeah, got yeah, legs. Yeah. Dude, they're walking so, around right now. So I can did hear you them. you went to bed with both of them in? Yeah, I went to bed with both. So I think you flung it under the door. <laughs> and it just shot and all the way. It shot over. all the way. I think that's what happened, dude. There's no had to, had to. That's what I said. I was like, I wasn't out here. I wasn't out here. Or I slept walk. Yeah, that's, that's my other thought. Got out there, was jamming, dropped it. You strike me as a sleepwalker. Done it before. Yeah, Done yeah. it before. I think that's what you did. I think you were jamming, dude. <laughs> jamming to, <laughs> jamming to the new album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just dropped it out. Yeah. Girlfriends love to say, did you look hard enough? They love no. to say that. Well, Usually the answer is no. Yeah. And I, because I pull, I pull in it in too early in the search, which is my problem. You look for two minutes. I, I, I can't the, find it anywhere. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, I'm it's like, gone. did you move it? And she's like, if you fucking ask me if I, and then I always find it right after. You know that. what I swear though? Like I'll go over to look for something, right? Mm. And I swear there's a. I swear like, it's not there. No, no. I think that there's some little magic thing that they snap and pops it right there in the middle where it was supposed to be. They got something. They got something going on us because every time I go look and then you go back and then she's with me and I'm like, that wasn't there five seconds ago. No, it's ago. where it yeah. wasn't. It's bullshit. You know what I lost recently hmm. that I, I ha- have not, <laughs> <laughs> that I haven't found yet? What? Close. Dude, our new merch hoodie. Oh, oh. he did. He actually I'm so it. bummed. Well, you don't dude. know where it is? No. no. I don't know. It's I, a whole hoodie. That's I what know. I said. I know. He left I'm, it, I think, on the road. Dude, I uh, actually he's asked me four times. No, so, today he, so here's the we can we can talk about the merch. Yeah, so uh, so merch is dropping next episode. Yeah, okay. Yep. And I'm gonna also buy a new one with you guys. But nice. if you guys, Full price. if yeah, if yeah. you guys no want discounts. a hoodie, shirt, or hat, new merch, it's sick. DM the five hundred five podcast Instagram the word merch, and we'll flag your account. We'll let you know when it goes live. Maybe send you a little discount. You code. will be the first to know yeah. when it goes live if you DM us the word merch, dude. Tell me. The, here's the thing. So my girlfriend, very critical, especially about clothes. Okay. Especially about things that I do, <laughs> which I know I like. I like. Like she's very blunt about stuff. Like honest. And she tries on the sweatshirt, and she's like, you know what? The sweatshirt is is really fucking cool. And I was like, I know. And she's like, it's so comfortable. And she's like, she's like, God, it's a really cool sweatshirt. She's looking herself in the mirror. I didn't see that coming. I didn't think she'd say that. She doesn't say stuff like that. So this, fucking little this, plug. That's this a genuine is, plug. This is a hoodie your girlfriend, boyfriend oh, is going to yeah. steal. They're going to want to steal you know, this said, one. She said, she says, I want this, but I want even bigger. Oh, I'm pretty oh. sure I got like the XL. You, she must have like I, the XL. I, I, Girls love the like, like the double XL. Speaking of. God, my she's calling you. She's you saying, give me phone? the XL. It is phone? on. Do not just. Dude. No, you got to put it on that, dude. She's oh. she's saying, give me the XL. Yeah. You know where I think I might have left it was at the forum because I recently got to shoot there. I felt like fig. Okay, it was really cool. Is that a transition, or did you think he actually lost it there? No, I might have because I wore it. I wore <laughs> it there, and, and, and you didn't wear it, you wore it there. Well, I wonder where I, it is. Oh, dude, dude, yeah, it's at the forum. It's either at the forum or the shrine. There's so a rock the that has that hoodie yeah. that's like this. This was left, dude. He's <laughs> like, I'm not telling. Game, game I'm, worn. Game worn. I'm not telling <laughs> shit. Game I'm not saying it. I wouldn't say like, if, no. Okay, if you found if you found that hoodie, I wouldn't say no, shit. No, no. Oh yeah, I'm keeping that. <laughs> I'm dude. keeping that. He's just a local creator. He's like, I'll fucking not support this one, but like a week, like a week. 
be like, oh, all the. But dude, I'm telling you, I I've looked in in my hamper. I've looked it's in my floor, in my room, dude. my my car, my girlfriend's house. It's got to be either at the forum or the shrine. Nice. But dude, I, I I swear to God, I felt like you shooting at these like huge arenas. My first time shooting an arena. First of all, got recognized three times from no the pod. Way. From the pod, dude. It's awesome. Which Doesn't was sick. To me. It just never happens. This kid. If you, if you recognize me at all, don't be shy. <laughs> okay. I feel like you guys do, and you just don't say anything. Yeah, I think that's because I it make is. a lot of eye contact yeah. with a guy with a camera, and we're looking at each other, and then I'm like, "We gonna do it?" <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then never is. Do you, do you hit him with what you shooting on? <laughs> what you shooting I on? I also do I that. Should, actually, I that's also do that. What you shooting on? Okay, um, keep going. But anyways, <laughs> it was uh, it was for a two friends show. And if you guys don't know EDM, or, okay. So two friends is a DJ duo, and they actually have a song with Loud Luxury, and it's so funny, dude. Because I posted that I was like I shot for them, and Joe just sends me a fucking <laughs> thumbs down <laughs> in the it. DM. He, yeah, but it was really really cool. Like the production was crazy. They had this. It's called the because they're known for the big booty mixes. Yep. And so they have like Big Booty Land is their whole thing. And so they have a freaking <laughs> spaceship like a UFO it goes up and down. Oh, that's pyro. Cool. They had a whole like eight person drum line with fire i like, love the fire shot. it was yeah. crazy fire shots those, were yeah, fun those, those videos were really cool those um, clips you sent. thank you but it was uh it was really fun but shooting at these arenas man it's yeah, just different yeah huge it's Sick. different different energy and you also have so so much stimuli mm. you know going around you got mm. you got all the, your drummer guy you got your yeah. pyro guy you got some lights going crazy yeah that's dope yeah you were all you've got to shoot tiger woods this week yeah How, how's that been is he missing any putts during the practice stuff? Dude, he doesn't miss. It's really cool. I mean, he it's it's weird. He's just like a mythical creature. Like he really is just like kind of floating around. Everyone you see him because the cool thing about the golf thing is that it's so quiet, mm. and you see him, and everyone's like, oh, wow. <laughs> and that's like you just hear whispering, like friends, like, oh, my God, it's like as he walks by. It's so cool, and I get all access. So I'm like, I mean, I'm with him basically the whole time. I'm not like. With them, parts of the Genesis is getting some Tiger deliverables, so I do get to shoot him. Um, and I try to make it like feel a little more like editorial, not like a sports thing. I like to pretend like it's just like, Tiger. Can you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> can you hit a pose for no, me? No, I'm not. I'm not gonna direct him. He's he's shooting a tournament. I just like to like shoot it so it's just like him and grass. You yeah. know, like that kind Ooh. of stuff. You getting high? You climbing trees? Just trying to get high, dude. dude yeah, so I'm just a high angles. The Genesis Invitational is interesting. I was talking to one of the trainers at Monarch, and mm-hmm. he goes, "Dude." It's $80. You get to be there for like nine hours. It's the equivalent of being courtside, yeah. like at state, at crypto mm. for 80 bucks. You're like, I mean, I'm this close to Tiger Woods. That's the thing. If you like golf, like especially because yeah. I get all access, like uh, Jason Day hit a shot that was a little out wide. And I actually know him and like kind of like him, not know him, but I know of him. Um, a boy. And his, his ball lands right here. And I'm, I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> I'm right next to his ball. He's going to have to hit this. He walks, he's three feet from me the whole time. I'm just like, Sweet. And he's talking to his caddy, which is pretty cool to hear. And I'm just standing behind him. I'm not even shooting. I'm just watching. And then he hits it. And then I just, it's funny, dude. It was a good shot. And you hear one person yell and it's just contagious. Some guy yells and I'm like, yeah, JD, let's go. Like, oh, that's a great shot, dude. It's so funny, dude. Like everyone just starts yelling. I, I don't know. I got, I've gotten into golf this weekend. I get, once a year I get into golf and it's always if, this weekend. If there's a way to get into it, it's by being up yeah, close oh, and personal yeah, to the action. Because some people are so into it, you know? Oh God, I wish I was good at golf, dude. I, I that was betting on holes. It's fun. You did? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> You just tap the guy next to you like five bucks. Yeah. This, no, this guy I was like one dollar says this goes in the bunker and I fucking was wrong. <laughs> just nailed it right on the green. Did you see the video of Tiger Woods playing golf? It must have been with like some bar stool guys or something. Yes. But they had this like like their ace guy, right? Somehow mm. they're playing golf with Tiger Woods. 
and they do a driving competition with Tiger, and so they like send their big guy out, and yeah. he fucking like Happy Gilmore's like just yanks the shit out of the uh-huh. ball, and he's like, "Yeah, that was a good hit." And then Tiger goes up, gets on his knees, and he just fucking so much farther than the How? other guy because he's just that guy. He's but just, that he guy. just pure, the, just pure he, club face I mean, on the ball. He sends that he's thing. Just, he really does. He just kind of floats around. Like he's so quiet and he's so just like glidey. Like it's really weird to see him in person. It doesn't seem real. He was um, paired with Josh Allen for the pro am. And Josh Allen's supposed to be like a ginormous football player. And I was like, God, they're the same fucking size, dude. Tiger is jacked. Like, he is a big dude. Yeah. Going off of pro athletes and everything, our buddy Jay Ford, he shot with Alex Subers at the Super Bowl party this weekend for uh, Fanatics. Or he goes, dude, I met literally every fucking like A-list celebrity you could imagine. I go, okay, when you're in that room, right? Who's like the alpha? Mm-hmm. Like, I always everybody's I always A-list, who's the alpha? And he was like, well, you know, like... Kim Kardashian's in her corner. She's kind of hard to get to. Bieber, of course. Travis Scott. He goes, but Tom Brady walks in, yeah, and everybody's head turns. Yeah, like, that's Tom Brady. <laughs> I bet it doesn't surprise me, dude. Alpha Dog One. Yeah, dude. But it's it's just so interesting, like when you put all the like biggest dogs in the room. Like who's, who's the, the biggest? Who's dog? the big dog yeah. of the big dogs? Yeah, yeah. I could see it totally being Tom. I remember, I remember Denzel was talking about that. He was saying like, when it's just, he's like, when it's me and like my homies, he was like, it was always me. He's like, I was always the dog. He's like, now Barack comes in and he's like, Barack's the man. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'm, he's like, I'm one below Barack. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought funny. it was so funny. Not a bad place to Not be. Not a bad place to That's be. That's so funny, right. dude. Should, Should we, we get, get some moments, yeah. dude? Yeah, let's get into this. I mean, we've had 99 pods is crazy. I yeah. mean, I, I think the uh, the first one first one that I want to give a, a massive shout out to is Sam Newton. Great episode. That Funny. one that one was uh, was a killer app. We we finally got Sam on. We have so many mutual friends with a lot of the people that we bring on the pod, and usually it's the first time that we meet them when they get to come on. And yep. Sam is exactly how he is on YouTube or on social. He's the nicest down to earth dude, and he also did something. Uh, that we didn't even ask him to do because he's just such a kind human. After the pod, Sam just sends us a text and he's like, yo, would you guys, do you guys like Artlist? I.O. And I'm like, dude, yeah, I literally, I pay pay for for Artlist right now. And he's like, I'm going to put you guys in a group chat. And to that, we are forever indebted to you, Sam Newton. I appreciate you a ton for this. And it's it's the sponsor of, of today's pod, which oh, is bang. which is a great nice. just just a great deal for us and them, man. They've yeah. they've really helped us out a ton. And you get two months free with a year subscription if you download it down below. We'll also post they have a motion array, a little situation that they give us as well. So there's tons of good assets that you can use for all of your projects. And the best part is you have to pay for the damn song, dude. Once you buy it, like you buy your oh, subscription. Oh, with another service. Yes, I dude. You are locked in. Usually the other services, you pay, you buy it, say it's like 40 bucks a month or something, 1,000 bucks to use a song. Yeah. 700 bucks to use so a song. Annoying. Now, Artlist, you buy it one time, you're locked in for commercial use, which is huge. I'm telling you, they don't make better sound effects. They don't make better songs. It's a good platform for and you guys. And stock footage, you do if you get Max. The stock footage is yes. the best. It's yes, the you've, been, you've, you've been using it. I use it all the time. It's yeah. the most, like, it looks like a movie. Like, it looks like a cool, like, you went out with the red with your, like, talent and shot, like, a good, not just, like, stock, like, yes. yeah. girl in a, like, corporate office, yes. like, writing on a whiteboard. It's, like, really cool shots that, like, actually inspire me when I'm working on them. 
and not just for like uh, client videos, but for your own personal stuff. I use it all the time for social media stuff. I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys, but I'm actually in Japan when this episode comes out with a brand, <laughs> Fujifilm. I'm going to be making some right. content for them, right? I'm going to be pulling songs oh, yeah. from Artlist as my background music Dude, so and the sound effects yeah, what, and, and are dude, so killer I might yeah. even I might even go on Artlist and be like Tokyo yeah. stock oh, yeah. footage and, and just <laughs> sprinkle some city in. dude my favorite part of this episode was when Sam was talking about how he was trying to become a travel filmmaker but he had to do some weddings to fund this dream so let, let's roll that clip real quick I want to ask because okay you did weddings like I want to ask about before making that leap mm-hmm. full time uh, YouTuber which is I think so many kids dreams like what were you doing to fund your lifestyle like just your life yeah so my big like switch just like most people it was i was a freelance a jack of all trades i did mm. everything right and that's a great way to figure out what you want to do mm. who you are you get your style you know the first couple of years at least you know doing everything whatever any client i had no direction it's like whatever email or whatever friend sent me it's like hey this person's developing an app i i filmed like a a, like a surgery from UC Davis. I went to UC Davis and they're the medical center and I did like an, a nose surgery for a doctor. I did basically as you, I did everything. If you look at my Vimeo, I have 687 videos Oh, like that I posted on my Vimeo and it's just mind blowing to me that I'm like, how did I make that many <laughs> videos? Crazy. But the first two years I did everything and then it kind of clicked in my head my senior year where we planned a travel trip and we started getting together some sponsors for the trip. First time I ever left the country besides Mexico. And uh, we got like three sponsors after emailing like a thousand companies. And these three sponsors, we got the Eurail, European Rail System. We got Wombat City Hostel. And we got this clothing company called Calibus, which is like a weed clothing brand. Mm-hmm. And they were the only ones that paid us $500. And then we got a free place to stay and free travel with the train. And then this is when I sucked. But it clicked in my mind. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is possible. Possible. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And... That's when I made that really hard. I'm like, okay, well, if I'm going to do it, I have to do it. But I also, it's not possible to live off $500 in travel. So I created this, I had a wedding business on the side that I never talked about. Mm. Like I didn't brand, like none of my friends had, it was like a separate brand name, except and weddings, it's just super easy, great money. Mm-hmm. And you do one good wedding and that books, you don't have to advertise yourself. No, right. It's just, you do one good wedding mm. and they have 10 other friends getting yep. married. And so I would charge like three grand a wedding mm-hmm. um, and do, I don't know, 10 weddings in a summer, make a good amount of money and then go travel for three months, mm-hmm. you know, so, and yeah. no one ever knew about the weddings and they just thought I was a travel filmmaker. And then slowly, it's just as important to convince yourself as it is to convince the world. Like, I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm a travel filmmaker. I'm a yeah. travel filmmaker. And then now everybody in the world just sees me as a travel filmmaker and all my friends from back home, like, damn, Sam's really doing this. And mm-hmm. then in their mind, it's like, you don't have to, try to fake it it's like oh this is what he does this is who mm-hmm. he is and then you know if anything comes up to the people that do follow you're like oh we need someone in the travel space you're like immediately like i know a guy yeah. sam he's a travel filmmaker he always mm-hmm. talks about instead of if you want to be a travel mm-hmm. filmmaker and then you do 15 other things then you're not really then you maybe have one travel film and that's like the biggest thing you can never be a music video director if you don't direct music videos you right. can never be a travel mm-hmm. filmmaker if you don't make travel films you can never be you have to make something whether it's a spec ad passion project for free you have to have something in order to prove to someone that you're worth 
being paid that money. You got to believe it before anybody else believes right. it. You know, you got to tell yourself like, I'm going, I'm like for anyone out there that's like, oh, I'm an inspiring filmmaker. You see that in bios like all the time. It's like, mm. you're, you're a filmmaker. You're, yeah. the, you're a filmmaker now. This is what you do. And I think when you start, you'll start to make decisions. Oh, you said aspiring. Aspiring. I th- I no, not inspiring. inspiring. No, 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 oh aspiring. You aspiring. see that everywhere. Whenever you imagine my bio. I'm an inspiring <laughs> filmmaker. Bro. Watch this and be inspired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so fucking inspired. Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. Good, but I've been more inspired. <laughs> I've been more inspired for this. They have to believe it before you know. You'll start making choices in your day and in your week that will get you closer to said goal. If you're like, oh, I'm a filmmaker. Like, okay, what do filmmakers do? They probably make some films this week. So I need to go make. I need to write down three videos <laughs> right. and make them and actually make it happen. And I think people will see like you know you'll get start to get dubs in the right direction. Yeah. I think this just goes to show you though that you don't have to be doing everything right off the bat, right? So whatever it is that you decide to go into, whether you're a sports filmmaker, concert, you know, travel, car, you're not going to be full-time shooting at the Genesis Invitational week one. You know what I'm saying? You're going to have to go to the local car meet, do some work there. You might have to go shoot a barbershop down your town, something that you might not want as your specific niche, yep. right? And then you can go into something else when you save money for that. I did exactly what Sam did. I did weddings, saved yep. a ton of money, and then started diet because I wanted to travel. I wanted to do the exact same thing. Wanted to travel, did the wedding, saved up bread, went out and shot the travel stuff. And people were like, oh, he's a travel person now. Uh Didn't post any of the wedding stuff because I didn't want people to associate my brand with what I was doing at that time. You can work at, you could work at, you know, you could bartend, you could work at a restaurant, you could do anything that you want. You don't have to broadcast it while you're chasing this dream that you want to do. Well, I also think it's super important to just start making money with your camera, Mm -hmm. right? So even at like the first thing I got paid to shoot was a wedding. And then I filmed like some random corporate thing. Didn't like I wasn't excited about that, but like you just take what you can get with your camera, and if you can make money with your camera, then you can transition into making money with your camera, doing something that you really care about. You know. I think it's also important to note that social media is curated, and I think it can be a positive and negative thing. I think sometimes we can fall into like the um, comparison game, right? Mm-hmm. Where you see someone, and all it looks like they're posting is the coolest stuff. You can curate your social media as well. Like if you do do a shoot for a quinceanera, but you're a travel influencer, you know, or you want it, you're an aspiring travel content creator, you want to do more travel content, like just because you shot that event or the quinceanera, whatever, you don't have to post it. You can curate your social media to look like you're doing only the things that you want to or are aspiring to do. Taking it back to the first episode of season two, we mm-hmm. got together with the Loud Luxury Boys at their place, got to go to their house up in the in their crib, and you asked them something Dude, crazy. I, I always had wondered, like, when someone's making a song, they had, like, you know, some songs hit, like, a billion on Spotify. Not a lot. There's, like, 15 of them. Well, there's, there used to be. And I always wondered, like, if they knew when they were making the song that there wasn't, like, total banger, basically. So I asked Andrew how they felt or Andrew and Joe, how they felt when they were making it. Like, did they feel interesting? Did they feel what? Did they feel something special? And here's the clip from that. So, okay, you guys move out here and you're just like, fuck it, we're going 100% all in. Do you feel like that's what it takes and is necessary to make it in this industry? Yes. Yeah. Anyone I knew that had their foot halfway in the door Mm -hmm. never amounted to anything, sadly. And these are people that are a lot more talented than us. But just the commitment and the grind, you know, the analogy that our managers always make that they drill into our heads, which is annoying as hell. But it's the idea of like, yo, if you're on the couch, someone is out there working to like, 
take you off. Someone will always eat your lunch. Someone will always eat your lunch. And there's only three ways to succeed, in my opinion. You're either a Nepo baby, and then you're just (laughs) set. Uh You're like a savant, like you're like fucking Beethoven. Mm. You're just like music like comes beams into your head Mm -hmm. or you just like work your ass off those are like the three ways that you have maybe success and you think if you had a nicer apartment or something like (laughs) it was better when you moved here you wouldn't have worked as hard and you wouldn't have probably not (laughs) which is why honestly our (laughs) management that we were working with they they were like yeah you know we were happy that like you guys stayed in a shittier apartment and all that because it just made you guys so hungry and you use that as energy Mm. and motivation to work your ass off what year was that that you guys moved out 2015 2015. 2015 yeah okay i just graduated high school that's yeah. insane Man, crypto would have popped so hard yeah. oh my god <laughs> if only i had just knew a little bit more <laughs> that's funny okay so 2015 body comes out what 2017 2018 yeah 20, end of 2017 yeah october 2017 october okay. 2017 and you guys told me that you didn't know at the beginning when it first came that it was like going to be a smash. Well, bro, how you the know, fuck could know we shit. know? Right. Yeah. I'm how, releasing songs that would get like a million streams maybe like if we were lucky and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Like, mm. Think about how entitled you would have to be to be like, I'm a DJ with no streams, like 10K right. followers on Instagram, but this song is going to go, you know, number mm. one here and this and you know, mm. all these incredible things are going to happen. That's... You're delusional, mm. but you must have had a feeling of like hearing a song. Oh, it's like, my favorite song we ever made. Yeah, I right. remember like working on the studio and I almost felt like I had to puke because it just felt so different from anything that we've been working on. But again, to expect that to translate into the into something the way it did, mm. inconceivable. Dude, really quick. I honestly, a, f- a thank you to you guys. So, new, uh, what was it? St. Paddy's Day, 2019. We listen to Body as we go to the pregame. We and then we I end up at this like sick house, first Hollywood Hills house I've ever been to. His party, Body's playing there I too. Like I remember it's banging. And then the girl that I got out on one date with comes right, and we like we drink a little bit. And she goes, "Let's go to San Diego." And I was like, "You're fucking crazy." She's like, "My friend will drive. She's not drunk." Then we drive to San Diego. Definitely listen like to Body that. on the way there. And now I live with that girl. Like three Let's years go. later. Let's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's and that's go. That's like the best name I, I don't. I don't support the drinking and driving <laughs> right. thing. Me neither. Like, I didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know. We didn't know. That's awesome. Also, I love that. speaking of Hollywood House party, you guys had a party at that old house you guys lived at. And this was before I met you guys. And Maddie Balto, who, shout out Maddie, you, like, I guess knew her. She was like, to me. Yeah, we know her. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Me, <laughs> me and Taylor's friends. Me, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So me and Josh, who I used to DJ with, uh, we were good friends with Maddie. She's like, yo, you want to come to, like, Loud Luxury's house? And me and Josh were like, fucking, yeah, like, what the fuck? <laughs> so we go, and we go to this house, and I'm like, like we in the hills like we're at loud luxury's <laughs> house and i walk into the studio that you guys had because i had to pee and andrew i didn't meet you that night i walk in there's people chilling in the studio i go in the bathroom for two minutes to pee i walk out nobody's there joe's just chilling there and he was like what's up man i was like no i was just i was peeing like i wasn't doing anything in here like i'll get out he's like no man you're good like you're friends with taylor right and i was like yeah, and he's like, cool, man, nice to meet you. And then I told you that story, and you're like, was I nice or was I a dick? Because it could have gone like one of two ways. You're not wrong, but I, I'm glad I was very nice to you. In this pandemic era, because just we had nothing to do and no idea what was happening, and you're so stressed, in hindsight, you're like, oh, yeah, everything's fine. It's going to work out. But you're like, man, what if the world goes to shit and we never tour again? Right. So we were just partying way too much as a coping mechanism, and it was wild and i'm glad you got to experience it but it's not like that anymore party was lit party was lit so then you guys put out body how far into it a year like a year yeah it took a long time and it was like one of those things where it's like if you look at a chart it went like this like 
like just that. exponential. Like, just like, yeah. Was and it? Yeah. The oh. snow story that Jacob was talking yeah. about, that was like, we got a favor to play in Boston, basically. Like, it was like, we we didn't like think we were like super worthy of like big shows or whatever. And then we got the show and <clears throat> it was like a fucking blizzard, like literally like negative 30, like, like really shitty weather. And I was like, oh, fuck, well, we're screwed. Like, nobody's w- going to want to come to this. Like, we're so screwed. Nobody's going to book us again. And then we played the show. It was actually, like, pretty busy. Like, it was, like, not sold out, but it was, like, really busy. Like, 80%. And then we played Body, and everybody knew the words to it. And that was the first time I heard, like, people, like, singing it. And I was like, how the hell do they know this? I was like, why do they know this? And then it's just like, I was like, this feels like kind of different right now. I was like, there's something about this that's going on. Like, I don't know what it is, but it's kind of crazy. That's so nuts. Wait, so you're you're in this club. After, after that moment, is it exponential where you're just getting booked no, all the time? No, no, it was just a sign that this is working. Okay. Because like something okay. was happening yeah. and okay. then like shit mm. started hitting yeah. the fan. Mm. Like 2018, 2019, it was like... We're going from Vegas to Europe to mm. a festival to this to that to like. Yeah, right. got to paint a picture for you. So mm. it's the weekend after New Year's. If you're a club owner, you kind of punt on that weekend because you're like everyone's broke and hungover right. and not going out. Right? Yeah. He's going out. On top of that, you have a snowstorm in Boston that the military has to come in and help out with because it's so bad. Oh my god! So they're expecting this to be the worst night of the year. Club slammed. Everyone's singing along to Body. It was like okay, we have something here. <laughs> Was it like, okay, so when this is all, when this is all going down, right, you, you guys are starting to go on, like, is it just exponential though after bot, like after the four months after you guys are doing it, you're going just a ton of different shows now. Like what was that like on your bodies and just like mentally having to just ramp, ramp up into this, right? So like, it's like a snowball, you're playing one-off shows and they're like, like, Hey, you guys are going 16 shows in the next two weeks. You're like, wait, what? Like, yeah, I still don't get used to it, but it's like, it's like a, it's like a snowball rolling down the hill. Like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's like kind of small and then it starts getting like crazy. I'm still waiting to have that same feeling from like, a video mm, that I make sure. haven't had that yet. Sure. We've been close. I've been like, am I gonna throw up right yeah. now? <laughs> like, sick shot. Yeah. But I will just say, man, like being on tour with them for a year and a half, and I listen to that song a lot, mm. like mm-hmm. twice a night, mm-hmm. every week, like twice a show, every show, and it hit yeah. every fucking time. I was like, dude, there's there's no mistake that this song has a billion streams. Like it's a banger. And I just don't think there's no any denying that. Shortly after we put out that episode, though, I did end up like parting ways with them, which was a really tough decision um, just because that was like one of the coolest opportunities I've gotten. And me and Chase had talked about it for years. Mm-hmm. We were like, dude, how cool would it be to tour with an artist? And I got to like check that off my bucket list and then ended up, you know, doing that for a year and a half, parting ways with them. We put out an episode talking about you know, my experience with them. And I got really vulnerable on that episode. And I feel like you kind of forget how many people listen to the podcast and what um, effect you can have on people just by, you know, talking and, and being vulnerable. And the response that I got from that episode was pretty surreal. The amount of people that reached out to me and were like, I've been going through the same thing, or I had no idea you were going through that made me feel really good. And it made me feel like, how cool do we, how cool is it that we have a community that we can just talk about these things with and you never know who's listening. You never know who you can inspire. Um, But yeah, just shout out to you guys for all the messages you guys sent me after that episode. That was one of my 
Cheers favorite. to Rock Nation. Yeah, dude. man. Oh, yeah. Cheers to Rock Nation. But yeah, that was one of my personal favorite episodes just because of how personal it was to me. Hell yeah, dude. Dude, the next one is absolutely insane, and I don't know what I would have done oh if, my this, God. if this if hap- this was wild. If this happened to me, I think I which it could, dude. Oh, this could totally. Yeah. Ha- this could. Totally. It hasn't. I think about all the drives that I've just shuttled back and forth. This is an editor's worst nightmare from the Sam Cahill pod. Before we even had like, we knew where the film was gonna go or like how to buy her for the film before it was going to Hulu or whatever. Um. I was just editing it by, by myself in my bedroom or my uh, I moved my studio from my bedroom to the kitchen table and it was like this big like this like a glass table in the middle of everything and then my friend had uh, three cats at the house and one of his friends brought a dog over and the cats had never seen a dog and I guess this dog had never seen cats before and they just fucking started going crazy around the house and like all of them got chased where all the cables were under the computer and I had this whole server with like 68 terabytes of footage wired up to it. And they like ripped everything out. So all everything goes black. Like I turned the computer back on and every project file was corrupted. And I'm sitting there like shitting my pants. It's like an hour and a half long at this point. And I was like, bro, like I had my friend Dante sitting to the right of me. I'm like looking at him like, bro, Kelly's going to kill me, dog. Like I think I just <laughs> lost everything. So, um. <laughs> bro the only thing that saved it was uh i had made like three or four copies of the same project like the day before to the desktop another drive like all the drives were boofed though the only oh thing that worked God. was that one desktop file shut oh, up I was like, all yeah, the drives was, are corrupted yeah and all the, the project footage, files, did the footage yeah. come back though like the footage was yeah oh yeah. okay all so just the good. project files but were corrupted still, yeah. that's but it was insane. like you couldn't like go into premiere and fix nothing it's just like air loading this file like, no, no way sorry <laughs> oh my <laughs> wait did dude. you did he ever like know about this or did you open the desktop like oh we're good everything yeah, every, I, don't, I don't even, I don't have to even tell know him. if he knows about <laughs> it <laughs> we will tell him <laughs> Brady, you gotta watch out with that your is, dog my friend. i think that's yeah, like every seriously. filmmaker's literally like worst nightmare oh yeah, my god i think you gotta make copies yeah you gotta, gotta make copies four of them at least backup yeah. hard drives all that stuff yeah how many terabytes worth of footage did you have um for the whole documentary yeah i think it was like around 74 terabytes what would you do if your dog did this putting the dog down (laughs) (laughs) right like call peter can't happen again no yeah it's not gonna happen again like you're getting a buddy just kidding i um (laughs) i don't know what i think i would just have to like really duct tape like i'd really take really like duct tape the drive into the laptop actually really quick sidebar okay i saw today an S, it looked like an SD card. It's a thicker than SD card. It fits into the Mac SD slot. One terabyte hard drive. Whoa, back Whoa. up, back yeah. up. You look can use just, it like a T7. Look just like an SD. And you plug it into the SD part, so it's basically flush. Can I be honest? Yeah. You and me are losing that thing. Yeah, for sure. We're yeah, lo- you're right. We're you losing that thing. Right. You know the right. T7's a little harder to use. You, or lose. lose you, yeah. you see it, it's like a big you're thing. You're so fucking right. I would, I'm uh, not buying I it. would 100% <laughs> lose that thing. Yeah. It's cool because it's like flush your computer, but you have an external one terabyte hard drive. I think I think it's sick. Great concept. But you're, it's like the Apple TV remote. It was Too made for losable. kids without ADD. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I'm leaving. Joseph could get one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Leave, he it at, leave it at the forum, yeah, dude. At the forum, <laughs> leave sure. it at the forum. I'm really good at like rem- uh, not losing the small things. It's the big things, like yeah, the hoodies. The big things. <laughs> but I mean, if he had that SD thing in, in his computer, the dog probably wouldn't have ripped it out and wouldn't have corrupted it. I can't believe he edited the whole MGK dog, dude. It's 
crazy. The fact that he even made it out, though, without that thing just corrupting and dying is crazy. Yeah. I just think it's funny because sometimes you'll, like, fuck up the audio and you're like, do I tell the client? Right. right? And and sometimes you're just like, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to send the video. And if they say something, then we'll cross that bridge. And you're like, oh, I'm, like, probably going to get fired and I got to... Tell him that I lost his whole doc, and right. we're gonna have to like gonna get re-edit it. Maybe even have lost the. Oh my like, God, I wonder. Did he? Would he have lost the actual footage? And ha- or I don't know. Like, just have to re. Not I, just. I, but I have think. To re-edit it. I think they could have went to a recovery person and got it yeah, all back. Probably. Genuinely, I think you could pay it enough money. The label would have paid the money, got it all back. I think it would have sucked. It would have been like tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. But I think they would have got it back. I think that would have been a big enough thing to make me think about switching careers. Sure. Like if, if I if I wasn't <laughs> like, no, able to recover it, if I wasn't able to recover it, be like, ah, hang the towel. Like hang the towel. Yeah, on. it's yeah. not bad actually. That's insane, dude. I can't Just believe that happened. brutal. The next one is yeah. absolutely insane. It was our buddy Low. Oh, this, yeah. this is an episode, episode that you yeah, and I did. You and I did. Yeehaw. So Low, Low came upstairs and he, he let us know that he was, I believe, 18 years old. He had just graduated. He still is like 12. Dude. He's like 19. I think he's 19. He had just graduated high school. And he told his parents, they're like, you got to go to school. You can't become a gamer. You can't become a streamer, right? He's like, I'm going to go to UNLV, mom mm-hmm. and dad. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, sounds good, dude. We'll let Lo let you know what he did. Yeah. Since I've been doing this out of high school, I haven't had a, a nine to five or I didn't go to college. I actually lied to my parents about going to college really? um Where? but yeah so how did that go so uh day the same day that i graduated high school mm. i was making a sustainable income from streaming um but the thing with making money from streaming is that that's money from your audience right and that's not like sponsors that's not ad revenue from youtube which is a little bit better but not exactly the same oh, this is just like gifting um yeah well so how it works with streaming is your audience will subscribe. Um, so following is like subscribing on YouTube, but subscribing tier one is they pay you $5. You get like half of that. Twitch is is, is, is uh, yeah. fleecing all we've of us. We've heard, we've heard. But, That's why the kick thing is big mm-hmm. right now. Okay, got it. But so, yeah, so that's kind of how... Um, you make money on Twitch, you get ad revenue on Twitch too, but it's not as much as YouTube because again, they're, they're fleecing you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at that time I maybe had like 2000 to 2,500 subs on, on Twitch. And then you also get like donated money, donated bits, all those things. And I think it's a sustainable source of income from, from that. And basically my, um, my parents really wanted me to go to school. Like I completely understand it. Uh, at this point, I really do. Uh, you know, they have this idea, and for this is for most people, most people's parents, they have this idea of you for the last 18 years that you're going to go to school um, and that in order to become successful, you need to go to school. And even for my parents, they didn't go to school. Um, they had kids early, so they had to like work, 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 and they've been working for the past 30, 40 years. So it's like for them, um, I completely understand their their viewpoint, but I also knew that I needed to like, live my own life and and see that through um so in order for me to move out um with my parents support because that was like important to me because it was kind of weird because while they wanted me to go to college they supported me 100 percent in what i wanted mm-hmm. to do so it was like kind of contradicting but they they're the type of people that that thought and think that i can do both like you can go to college and you can become a full-time consecrator but there's a lot that comes with that that it's not that simple i think right um so i told them i was like all right i'm gonna move to vegas i'm gonna go to unlv spring semester 
So basically I'd have that half a year to pursue content creation. Um, but the part I didn't tell them was that if I'm successful with content creation, then I'm not going to school, <laughs> which is fucking which is smart. Su- by the way. Super fair, super <laughs> yeah. fair. Good. That was a great, uh, great yeah. trade. On yeah, your yeah, yeah. Like spring term. I'll pop in there. Yeah. I, I was like, I, was, I mean, I didn't tell them that uh-huh. if I wasn't successful, I was going to go there, yeah, which yeah. I probably should have, <laughs> but they probably wouldn't have let me yeah, move. They and, let yeah. you go and to like, Vegas. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, well, number one, like I was completely paying for myself. I didn't, wasn't relying on my parents at all for anything. Right. Um, but for me, it was just important to have my parents' support, right? Mm-hmm. And to be in my younger siblings' lives. And that, you know, is is something that I hold very, that's, like, really important to me. Mm-hmm. So, like, having that with um, pursuing, you know, my my career was, you know, important for me to have both. So so you pop out to Vegas, actually? Like, were you living in Vegas for that for a year? year? Yeah. By for yourself? Year. Just- no, no, no. So I lived in a constant house. Um, oh, learned fun. a lot from that. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't go as we wanted to, but I think I definitely grew a lot as a person. And like moving in with other people is, I think, especially like close friends. These are all people I met online through COVID. So it's like, you know, we had people from Chicago, people from Alabama, people from the Bay Area with wow. me. But um, it was a, it was a big learning experience. Um, and then I think there was somebody from New Orleans too. So it was like five six heads in a house. You know, Vegas you get a fat house though. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. everybody had their own room. It was super big, nice big house. Balling in Vegas. Yeah, I did. Um, but I mean, I. I think the thing I learned most was there's a lot of people that, and I'm not calling people out, but there's a lot of people that say they want things and they want to work super, super hard. But at the end of the day, like that's not true. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's like a lot of people want, uh, you know, to see success, but people, a lot of people don't realize how much work really goes into it. Um, and there was a point where I was trying harder to help people than they were trying for themselves. Uh-huh. And it was like, I felt like at a certain point I was wasting my time. Um, and you know, at the end of the day, like everybody that moved into the house, I genuinely believed and that they, that they can be successful and that they have it in them, but they need to work to get that out of them. Right. So there's some, and like, that's why I, you know, wanted to move in with those people because I genuinely thought that we can create something bigger. Um, but it just, you know, sometimes it doesn't turn out that way and you learn from it, but you know, that's kind of how that went. Do you think your parents would be pissed or do you think they'd be hyped that you're making making bread from being a gamer? God, I don't know. I think my parents, my dad would probably be hyped because he just bought the bread. He just sees number, likes it. I think my mom is like, what about the, like the social experience you might have missed out on? But I mean, either way, he did what he had to do for his career. He probably, four years later, he misses his window, dude. He'd still be in college. I know. Probably would have missed it. No, he's chilling in a high rise. Yeah, dude, just, just the just most making all kinds of content, rise, dude. Now, what happens if your kid comes to you and you found out they were lying to you? I think it depends on how good they are at said thing. Genuinely, yeah. If I looked at my kid objectively and I was like, okay, like tennis, baseball, gamer, streamer, video person, and I'm like, okay, you're like one of the most elite people at this thing right. for your age and your, you know, where you're at at it right now. I would be like. I'm pissed that you lied, but good stuff. <laughs> yeah, because it probably doesn't make sense. And it's like, I wish you would have been comfortable enough to tell me that. Yes, yeah. I agree. I agree. agree. I did something wrong, probably, but I'm happy you did it. <laughs> okay, <Yeah>. now, <laughs> how long do you let your kid pursue their dream before, if they haven't like made it, mm. before being like, I think we should consider something else? I don't know if I would step in unless it got really long, because I think a lot of people are still chipping it, it like how if are they good at the thing like if i looked at if i looked at this thing yeah, yeah. that's the other thing if, no, if, but even then you get better i think you have until you're 30 i like that dude yeah, i like it's your that 20s your 20s, so your 20s tries, about figuring yeah. shit unless out unless you're like really unless you're like living on the street you know and then it's like all right let's get a job at target you know like a real job i i think that it would just be about trying to get them to 
pay enough for the things that they need, food and stuff, yeah. whatever job they have to do. And it's like you do the dream on the on the side. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. I don't know. And they keep doing it. Yeah. You got to You got to You got to keep rapping, dude. You got to get your reps. It's all about practice. All about reps. Yeah, that's a good question. That is a good question. It's just interesting because like as a parent, I feel like sometimes you might be blind to mm. like like coming at it from a non-biased perspective of like, is my kid actually good at this or do I just want, like, am I trying to live vicariously yeah. through them? Like, does can Jimmy really make it to the league or <laughs> yeah. does he just not have it? I right. feel like you would just do research though. You would just do some little bit of Googling, a little bit of asking chat GPT. I'm like, what is my child ranked in this thing? Yeah. Well, by by yeah, that, yeah. dude, 10 years from now, uh, it's yeah. going to snap it up and be like, your child's ranked number 47 at ping yeah, pong. He should like, go for it. He should send it. Yeah. I'm like, objectively, do you, <laughs> do you think that Billy can make yeah. it? <laughs> Um, all right, the next one. That one blonde kid, Jeremiah. Dude, we discovered something about him as um as fans of Sketchboy Hours merch, you know, our last merch job. We learned something that he proclaimed himself to be something. Right, didn't he? Yeah. Roll the clip. We call those late night hours Sketchboy Hours. So do you are you a Sketchboy Hours kind of guy or are you waking up early? I am the Sketchboy. You are nice. The <laughs> nice. <laughs> We'll get you a hoodie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll get you a hoodie. Yeah, I mean, in 2019, I was like going to sleep at like 4 a.m. more Jesus. often than like anything before 12. Do you like that? Do you like staying up late? I'm starting to not, but I, I think like a big hack for me was like being okay with it. And I think we're in this, it's more now than ever because everyone's got, po- also, I feel like you guys should start all your podcasts with that guy that says another white guy with a podcast. I'm a Mexican. We're two Mexican okay, dudes. Great. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm the only white guy. Yeah, we only got one white guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're, we're cultured too. Yeah, we're like, I, I feel like I was like, damn, I can never go on a podcast yeah. ever again. That's what I tell my girlfriend every time she gives us. She's like, just three white guys talking. It's like they're two Mexicans. <laughs> all right, I'm so the only Garcia, white one. Garcia, Garcia, so dude. like, yeah, figure it out. That's so funny. Uh, anyway, sorry, that was a little ADD thought, but um, <laughs> we all got it. No, yeah, you're you're at a good table yeah, you're for in that good company. Yeah. Um. What? Sorry, what are we talking about? What did I ask? Yeah, I mean, I, Damn it. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Reese, Reese, like my producer, was like, early on, I, I kind of like, I originally hired him. I was like, yo, you're going to handle invoices and be my bounce board for ideas when I come home off tour to like help pitch new brands to get more work in. But like when I leave, you're developing the ideas I said into like pitch decks. And so he was like, I was struggling. I was so mad at myself. I was like, I can't edit during the day. I was like, livid. I was, I was sitting at a coffee shop trying to edit I would, I would stay there for two hours and do like 15 seconds on a video and then leave and go back to my house do 15 seconds on a video for another two three hours then go somewhere else to like try to mix it up and i was like i edited 30 seconds 40 seconds of a video in like an eight hour period i was like this is unacceptable and then i would take a break and relax kind of like give up and then i would go sit down at like 11 to 4 and i would crush like four videos wow and then reese is like why do you just give up on the day like go live your life and then just work and whenever whenever you want to work and i was like he's like give yourself two weeks to four weeks to do this and i spent a month basically just like waking up hanging out with friends surfing longboarding like just living the dream i lived on the boardwalk in venice i was just like creating my own content doing whatever like doing instagram stories going to people's houses like day parties and whatever and then at night I was just an animal mm-hmm. and I would send, I would send like an email like five in the morning sometimes to Reese. And I'd be like, here's this client says this, 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 we need this back. This is a version one. The audio is pretty shit. So we're going to have to reshoot that. And I would just send these dense things and he would wake up at six and then he would get to it. 
and then like pump it out to clients like seven or eight in the morning. So then when they're in at nine, they're like, Boom. we're top of uh, mm. top of the list. He would work to like noon and take like a two hour break. I would wake up at noon or one, go straight into email. And he would hand off me and like, hey, this is where we're at with this, blah, blah, blah. We need these revisions came back. I'd wake up at noon have my schedule for the night and then go live my life for the day. Brings up a good point of just kind of knowing what you do and what's best for you. Mm -hmm. Cause every time 2024, 2025, every time a new year comes around, every YouTuber makes their productivity hack situation. Yes. I used to have a crazy morning routine. They're dumb as shit. Dude, just wake up and fucking start working. You start doing five hour morning. Start. No, he does normal shit. Now he's came to his senses. (laughs) Dude, wake up, get some caffeine in your body, yeah, and go. go do the things that you got to get done. That yeah, day. I agree. I'll, gi- I'll give you a per- take a shower, dude. Yeah. Whatever you got to do. The morning I'll- hack was a the morning thing was a phase, dude. The morning routine <laughs> was made for some dude to sell something yeah. ab- like it's like get your AG one. Yeah. with the morning right, routine right. or some That's shit. So true. Jeremiah is basically saying if something doesn't work for you and people are telling you that you should do it, like fuck that. Right. For me. I was trying to convince myself that I was a morning workout guy mm. for a really long time. Mm-hmm. And I'm not. Not okay? a night guy either. No. Not a night guy either. Middle, <laughs> Middle of the day. day. Tough. Middle <laughs> of the day. No. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. I thoroughly enjoy waking up, making myself a nice cup of coffee, yep. and like diving into some deep work because I feel like I'm most alert and able to get like the hardest stuff done first thing in the morning. Then I don't get hungry until like two hours after I wake up. I'll get myself some food and then at like 12 or 1, I feel like full or I have some food in my system. Now I can go work out and I did some like some level of hard work in the morning. Yeah. And that works for me. Then he eats lunch at like 4.30 yeah. p.m. It's super random. <laughs> and then <laughs> dinner okay. at 9. And that's hey, all good. you got to know yourself. You got to know yourself. It's about knowing yourself, exactly. dude. Next one is Chris Balladeris. This was one of this is one of my favorite pods that we've ever done, and I I, I think Chris's vulnerability uh, is something that is one of a kind, and his story is inspiring, and I hope that I hope that it inspires maybe one of you out there that might be going through something something tough. It was just a buildup of everything that I've gone through as a child, you know, um, and. Growing up where I come from, you know, everybody has their own story. Everybody has their own ups and downs, you know. Nobody's story is worse. Nobody's story is greater. Me, where I come from, I just so happen to be in living um, differently than uh, a regular kid that had a mom and dad growing up, you know. Um, I've been adopted four times and um, my biological mother, you know, she was on the streets when, you know, I was born and you know so I was born in a prison and um you know having already that that statistic um underhand of like yo like this kid is you know born the way he is and you know all odds are against him if he ever does do drugs because of what my mom was doing you know so um you know growing up and uh my, you know, my life was pretty much like kind of hidden from all of the families that I was with. So being out on the streets, skateboarding and drinking and, you know, just partying with the homies, I didn't know how big and disastrous that was, you know? So it was, um, you know, started drinking at nine and it was really just a gradual process from nine to 23, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, it 
my, I, I always say like my life really didn't start until I was 23 because before that it was a whole different side of what you're seeing today you know like it took a lot to get here as as my own self you know um a lot of resentments a lot of like internal stuff that I didn't I couldn't understand and, and realize um until I did the work you know and it was more of like that spiritual internal work it doesn't have to do with God or any anything it was just me and my self-awareness and my understanding to like you know what I'm okay with being okay and this is what I went through now embrace it and let's do something with this you know and you know like I said with the statistics you know jails institution and death is where I was headed okay and that was I was always constantly like why me why me the world this pointing fingers at everybody else you know and that whole combination with resentment is like it's a killer dude because that resentment is a full-time job and you take it everywhere you go and you bring your own people around you that love you down and you don't realize it because you're so selfish and you're so sucked into your own bubble so how I was getting sober that was the hardest thing I ever did and it was the best thing that I ever did because it allowed me to put on a different pair of glasses and look at the world differently and embrace who I was it's okay that I'm different you know as a kid going and knocking on you know other people's doors and saying hey can your son play you know where's your parents I don't know and like when I started getting older and those questions started coming and I was like, where are my parents? Who am I? You know, and then having to realize, you know, other things and events um, that happened in my life later on and started to be like, yo, this is not who I like. And, you know, it took a long time for me to accept that. And yeah, like sobriety is a huge part of my my life and my story and so is drugs and alcohol and um you know i've been sober for coming on six years yeah it's amazing yeah, yeah thank and you I for picked, sharing that yeah yeah and i picked up the camera in rehab because you know shout out to my wife i've been with her since i was 13. wow and you know <clears throat> she got to see that whole process you know and we're 29 now and um I'm so thankful that I could say that I have a human being that I absolutely love unconditional because I know what unconditional is because I've been with her half of my lifetime. If you think about it, you know, yeah, you're more, yeah, more. Yeah, I've more. been with her more than half of my lifetime. Mm -hmm. We didn't have a perfect relationship. We split apart. We did our own thing. But the thing is, is that we, we did it. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. we're okay now. Yeah. And, um, that you know she she has helped me more than i can describe you know she's a trooper mm. you know and um because of my sobriety like i was able to not only give myself uh, another chance at life i gave this beautiful human being another chance at life you know and it feels good every day waking up you know mm. like Every day, like I get to wake up and I'll be like, I remember what I did last night, <laughs> mm. dude, the dream waking up next to her. It's, 
you know it's like it feels great yeah and then when i have a bad day i'm like you know i have a lot of bad days you know we all do yeah then i'm like man compared to what it used to be like this has got to be the best day of my life because seriously like i mean i don't have the most money i'm not getting the craziest gigs the coolest gear whatever but like i feel like i'm living the dream because i have i'm okay yeah i'm just stable yeah no you definitely i think you definitely are living the dream and when when you were 23 what was what was that day like when you decided like i need to check in to rehab was it friends was it your wife at the time or yeah was it a, something that you saw um yeah um so it was very it was just a lot of like like a lot of bad events right like i was blacking out for not just days but weeks you know and, and like i would wake up and like i would just describe my alcoholism at the end stages of my last two years of like i would crack open that can flash people are laughing another flash people are crying looking at me another flash i'm waking up from the floor another flash i'm with the wrong people I should not be with, or I'm waking up in the middle of the desert with my windshield cracked open, my car open, bottle of Norco's, like rubbing alcohol. It's just like, it does not make sense. So I feared that, you know, it was either this or that, you know, and months before I went to rehab, um, long story short, um, I was managing a weed shop in East LA and long long story short the guy came in uh, this guy the owners of the shop's little cousin came in and um pointed the gun at me pointed a gun at himself and this is when we closed the shop down so he was in there with us we were stuck in an encapsulated area and he had the shotgun pointed at me pointed at myself and my dog was trying to like paw him so he looked down and like i was so fucked up i don't even know how i did this i don't know how to disarm people and um you know i went to go and try to disarm him and then like we were fighting for the gun and this is all on film on security camera footage and like he just blew his brains out and like it went in my mouth and everything and like it was just you know those it was it was just a lot of those type of events in my life were happening you know it wasn't just that event mm -hmm. it was though like that times like 20 30 other you know events mm -hmm. and it was like damn any one of these events i'm gonna end up dying you know veronica and i weren't really together and she just gave me a number this is the rehab it's all on you now you know and so i called the rehab and i uh you know thank god since i've been you know adopted and i'm in the foster care foster care system medical was able to pay for that rehab so they got me in the next day and what did i do i went to go get a celebratory fucked up that's how sick in the head i was i was like i'm going to rehab let's get smashed you know so i really was like my whole entire ideology of like life was whole different you know perspective um and like i'm you know that was my last time getting messed up curled up in a ball shaking with like you know just, i was so like I did a lot of Norcos, so, you know, I was kicking that, what kicking is like, um, 
going through withdrawals in rehab that was so hard bro so hard but you know i embraced every second of it and veronica had given me this uh this little camera this little canon camera that i had and um it's crazy because i've always been a writer and so like even on day one i was just miserable just had a notebook and i had a fresh notebook and i took a picture on day one of my rehab and just of little things and i wrote a page of what i saw and what i felt and i think that's how i really i just like turned into a way different person it was hard sobriety was hard but i fell in love with this expression that i was figuring out as a skateboarder you know i broke 24 bones in my body from skateboarding i felt like a clipped bird you know i couldn't fly and that was also a huge resentment you know i couldn't shred the way i, I used to and I just felt useless, you know, and there was no reason, you know, I, I've always been a creative, I've always been a, an artist, something that exerts something out into the world, you know, and this whole, when I say photography the second time, right, this is a whole new pair of glasses right here, and um, I, you know, started just taking pictures every day, writing a page about it, day one, day two, day three, you know, I did 60 days in there and uh there's a lot of ups and downs you know and um i i just remember getting my like you know 30 day sobriety chip and i was like you know i want to start a photography business one day and everybody laughed they're like oh you don't know how to live sober just sit down which was funny you know because it's true but i was like very serious about it like i wanted to learn it you know and um yeah like that whole process man like it was i thought it was gonna get better when i got sober right mm -hmm. i mean that's what it's that's what's supposed to happen but two weeks after i got you know out of rehab my best friend my like my brother he like you know i was living with him and he he shot himself you know lost the house lost you know the job that i was having planet fitness you know i was trying to get up on my feet and you know it was just a really tough moment and i'm like damn and then like here i am at another rock bottom in my life you know and i'm just like i started laughing i was like man you know like this is supposed to be better but I could either do this or I could do that. I wasn't there for that one. I did listen to the entire thing. And I remember getting goosebumps on like multiple occasions. I mean, he's got a great speaking voice, first of all. But it's also just a crazy story. And it, it just shows you that it's like really it's never too late to just turn your whole thing around if you need to, you know. And he's doing so much cool stuff now. Yeah. Dude. Dude. So many cool opportunities have came his way. I was I was damning with him the other day. And he's just kicking ass, man. It's, it really is. It's awesome to see someone who just flipped a 180. He completely went sober. He's doing all these awesome things. He's doing his dream job. He gets to wake up and use a fucking camera every day. It's so cool. He actually just turned 30, and I went to his surprise 30th birthday party. His wife threw him a birthday party, and it was uh, it was really fun. I remember looking around, though, and seeing how much love he was getting from his family and friends. And I really had almost like an out-of-body experience thinking like, man, what really matters is the people you surround yourself with, totally. friends and family, 
and just it was a reminder to be grateful for what you have because everything can always be worse it can always be better of course but like if you keep that perspective of man my life is going pretty great right now it could always be worse and if you keep that perspective i feel like just having that positive mindset is is so key next up we got the man the myth the legend jayhawk this was this was a fun one. He came out from Chicago, came to hang out with us for a few hours, and he has been destroying it on social media, dude. He's he's posting YouTube videos. He's got a full time job. He's doing Instagram. He's doing real content. He's doing TikTok. The guy's an absolute machine. And he talked about something about bringing everything that you're doing into your content. I do think you do a really good job though of incorporating things that you're already interested in: mm-hmm. shoes, your home office, tattoos. Sort those sorts of things. Tech. Mm-hmm. Can you talk about being the niche versus like creating a niche? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is like honestly like one of my favorite topics and like super super important because I think it's so easy for creators to have a very hard specific niche. And to me, I think everything is kind of shifting right now in the influencer creator world, where I think so much more importance is going on the actual creator itself versus like what their niche is or what they're even talking about. And my plan since day one is I was inspired by a lot of people like, um, I mean, sure, obviously like Peter or like uh, Evan Ramft or some of my buddies like Creative Ryan, YC Imaging, like some of these creators out there, uh, Becky and Chris, like they have YouTube channels or making content and they just kind of talk about all their different interests. And I think for sure, like today, if I only made content about desk setups or home office stuff, uh, my stuff would be way higher. But to me, it's like, that was never the goal with personal content. To me, it was always just an outlet and a passion project for me. So I was like, I want to actually just talk about my interests and the stuff that I'm actually into. And if, if you know me, I'm really actually into camera gear. I'm really into tech stuff. Like I love sneakers, like tattoos, like uh, energy drinks, coffee, Starbucks, like all that stuff. Like that's genuinely me and what I'm doing. And I think the long-term goal is to just be able to document my life and what I'm actually into and what I'm passionate about because it's easy to then talk about those things. So when I started going more like hard with personal content, right? I was doing a lot of stuff, almost strictly more around like home office, tech, camera gear type of stuff. And you know, like everyone, right? You're getting inspiration from different people and I'm very, cautious about not directly ripping or directly ripping other people off. I think the TikTok world kind of changed that a lot for other creators. It became a very copy and paste. People are saying the same words, doing the same movements, Mm. the same exact shots, the same edits. Um, And I feel like I kind of come from the world where like originality still wins. And I think actually the world's kind of going back to that a little bit now. But I was looking at, you know, other people posting their Sony cameras or their desk setups. And I'm like, these kind of all look pretty similar. I was like, what if I just start like including the little hits that make it like Johnny's setup versus someone else's setup, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's where I remember like I started doing like top down photos and you saw like the shoes I was wearing or like I did a YouTube video and I just had the latest pair of shoes that I bought on the desk had nothing to do with the video, but it makes you stand out versus someone else. And it's like, I always say this, if someone, if someone's watching, reels or TikTok, and they see 10 pieces of content in a row. It's like, why are they going to choose yours versus the other nine people? And it's like, if they have, or they see one other thing that maybe is an interest of them, that's the, that could be the reason that they stick around. So it could be the Starbucks on your table. It could be mm-hmm. the shoes. It could be, oh, he has a Lakers game on in the background. Yeah. It's like, like instantly, like I knew you 
because like you're doing something with the Lakers and I got a fucking LeBron tattoo, you know? And yeah. I'm like, that's an instant connection between mm. us. Even though like we connect on so many other levels, you do live music stuff. And I'm like, I know that world too. And so it's just like instantly a connection for other people. And that's why I stayed. And I think that that peels back layers of what makes you, you, because there's not another, or there, there might be, there probably is, but there's not another kid that is, really into cameras yeah. really into like you're pulling all that's what makes you you and that's what that's why people are going to mm -hmm. gravitate towards mm -hmm. it because they're like oh i yeah. also like basketball and i'm from ohio yeah. and i want to be a full-time you know full-time creator you got to become the niche you know what i'm saying chase you gotta, become the niche. you gotta you gotta show all the things that you do that you like I, and i think that is what keeps the stuff fresh otherwise you kind of burn out you have like the one thing that you do whether it's the camera whether it's you know weightlifting whatever but all the other things that you do in your life that is what makes you you and what makes your stuff interesting. He said, I am the niche, pal. I am the niche. <laughs> I am Queens Boulevard. I am Queens Boulevard. <laughs> Dude, shout out to Jayhawk too, though. His supporters, the people that consume his the content, Hawks. fucking rock. It's a pretty cool name for you for your rocks. Is that what he calls them? The Hawks? I don't know. I don't, he, should. he should. Oh, he should. The, the Hawks. Hawks. <laughs> they fucking rad. He dude. does that in every YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say though, man, just shout out to Jayhawk because He's got. He's bouncing a full time job and cranking out full YouTube videos That's and crazy. short form content. Is it so is crazy. nuts. His work ethic is very impressive. Next up, we got Jack Cook. It was really cool having Jack on for a second time. We got to learn from the vlog king himself. He's telling us about his storytelling process. Let's roll that clip. Jack, give me number two on the list. Number two on the list is going to be world building. This is something that I think I actually discussed last time on the pod. Um, maybe at the end a little bit, but thinking of yourself and your content almost as a TV show and the way that TV shows operate is they sort of build this world and they build these characters inside the world and they have side characters. There's even like inanimate objects that be can become characters. There can be like inside jokes, like the conflict that you guys have in your content. Like that's a great inside joke that people would only understand if they watch your stuff. It's not a joke. I don't know why <laughs> yeah. you're saying it's an inside joke, but no, yes. It's a, 100%. yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be in on it though yeah. to understand the yeah. conflict. And so I think. It's just, it's sorry. It's so funny because someone like <laughs> recognized yes. Brayden at the at the fair, right? Fair. Yeah, that was fair. But he didn't, he didn't come up to me. Like I, I, I got a DM after and I was so pissed because I was like, dude, Chloe, I would have like, would have loved this. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. would have been awesome. But he was like, yo, you're actually like pretty big in person. Like, I don't know what Kostas is saying. <laughs> I was like, thanks, man. That's like the nicest thing anyone's ever said. Wow, that was some good reassurance. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, it was so funny. I was like, dude, I was like, God, I wish Chloe would have, if he would have said that in front of Chloe, like, he's actually way bigger in person. I'm like, I would have just melted to the floor. That's amazing. <laughs> but sorry to cut, yeah, sorry to cut you yeah, off. You're good. You're good. So I think like thinking of yourself as a TV show, you're the main character. Who are the other characters in your videos? Like I think of you guys as characters in my videos, not friends. Mm. Uh, that was a joke. I don't think it landed. Oh. <laughs> I, I was like, you, okay, I sick. was like, what what are we? Are we like <laughs> are we best friends? No, no, no. <laughs> That okay. did not land. No, no, it's okay. I, I, it, yeah. took, it went right past yeah, your head. Yeah, I was focused in. <laughs> okay, but you, I think of people in my life and how they can be like side characters almost sure. in the content in a fun way. And you have to think about things in your life. Like an example, if you've seen any of my videos, like the fancy gym has almost become this character and it has a storyline to it. And you have to think about how are you... How are you building this world? And if somebody was on the outside looking at your content, would they feel like they are a part of a world and a part of a story? Visually, the way that you're give, 
you're describing yourself as a character, the way that you're describing people around you as characters, like the things that are in your life, they need to feel like they are watching a TV show. It's not just like making videos for an algorithm to try and go viral. They need to feel like they're a part of a story. Even the fact that you call it the fancy gym and have a name for it. Yeah goes into that and people ask all the time like what's the real name of the gym so i think if you said the fancy gym people would understand it in that context only if they watched my videos so it sort of creates this tight community yeah. around like the term fancy gym for no reason other than i just started putting it in the videos they need to give you a free gym membership yeah. if they don't already because i'm sure they you currently don't but that's, that's bullshit. okay has anyone seen your videos I don't there? know. No one, no one that works there has said anything before, but I've seen, there are people there that I know who are like friends of mine. So they've seen the videos, but nobody working has ever been like, oh, I saw your videos being in here. So not yet. You also have like the, the Tesla, I feel like is its own little, little yeah, character. It's kind of a character. We got Air One is, yep. it, is it it's definitely its own little it's own, character. Your home is its own yes. little character. Yeah. And visually, you have to think about all those spaces. Like my house, I really think about like, how can I shoot this so people really understand what the space looks like here? How the kitchen is like next to the dining room that's next to the office. And I want people to understand like the flow that it has from one to another. So you like visually can map out what it would be like if you were standing in my house with me. And so if you're just looking at a shot of the kitchen, but you understand whatever is around you when you're watching the video, I hope it like puts you right there in the middle of this world that I hope I'm building and sort of like you, you, it sinks you into the story a bit more. Which is what I feel like people even do in all kinds of music videos, like all kinds of content. You want them to feel like they're a fly on the wall with you in that. And I feel like the content that I personally watch from people, I really enjoy that where I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in Tim's, Tim's a sneaker room. I'm yep. like, I know exactly what this looks like. Or exactly. I'm, I'm in his room and we're making tacos or whatever, yep. you know? And I feel like that, that brings you in and gives you something to grab onto rather than the hot girl on the beach with a bikini pic or whatever. Mm -hmm. It just, that's it. You know, right. there's, you don't have any substance to really hold on to. Hey, both are great. <laughs> content, okay. Chase isn't here, but Chase, you know, you got to stop Chase, for the booty. Yeah, Chase would have said that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A question for you. Did you test out how slippery your floors were in that house before you moved in? No, we just ripped the slides. Let's go. Yeah, just you went just go. Okay. Not all hardwood floors are built equally some are more slippery than others and mine are pretty not slippery actually i would love you to test these out because yeah. uh, with shoes on though probably because your feet would just turn black from how dirty our floors are but yeah if you, i could tell you right now yeah you can live reaction okay, okay take so, my shoe off okay tell us and these are probably just as slick as mine okay wow yeah not very slick so like the one time that yeah. i went home to my house in savannah i like the floors were really slippery there and I didn't like, I couldn't gauge it that well. And you can see the first time I did the slide in, I completely wipe out because I had like way too much speed going into my slide. That's so funny. Damn. Um, another person that we all obviously like love and talk about is like Casey Neistat. And I feel like he was just like the goat at making New York, a whole city, um, feel like his like playground. And that was yeah. part of his story. Like $1 pizza. Like if I yeah. went to New York, I would want to go buy $1 pizza. Or, like I can only imagine how many people bought a boosted board because of like how incorporated it was. Into oh, I, so I, many. I did. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. I Did you really? It. Yeah, I had one. I'm jealous. It was the mo- it was so fun. You could get anywhere on campus in under five minutes. And think about his office. Like you felt oh, like you were in his I office with him. And how office. much would how much yeah. money would you have paid at that time? I would have paid a lot of money to get to that like office. go in and just take a tour. Yeah, yeah. See those cameras. See all the tools and shit. Yeah. All the labeled shit. All his overhead shot setup. It's so funny to think about. It's crazy how like disorganized it looks and like cluttered. But he actually is like so organized and knows where everything is yeah um also going off of world building and like giving certain inanimate objects names or all that kind of stuff is like when it comes to branding right like ip comes into play and so then like if you're thinking about you know future being able to monetize your personal brand if you have things that play under your ip like you're able to monetize that in a way for example like you uh, having the Bev in your vlog sets you up for the potential to have a brand deal and a partnership with that company. Yes. Jack talked about building worlds in that episode. I think that was so interesting and something that I saw Casey do back in the day and I even realized he was doing it with, you know, you had this, the mailman, uh, mm-hmm. Marlon, who would mm-hmm. always show up in the videos and you have these like unique characters that always kind of pop up in his daily life and Jack, I think, does a great job of that. He's got the Bev as its like own character. You know, he's got the fancy gym as its own character. You see his girlfriend sometimes and you have these rotating random characters like his friends that'll randomly pop in for, you know, a little little cameo and he does a really good job I think of telling a story in under a minute it's a it's beautiful I don't know how he does it every single day is he he's approaching a thousand it's close so many tons one of the cool things that I see Jack he started to incorporate this into his vlog is he'll do voiceover and then he'll go into like the real time him talking to the camera and then he'll go back into his Uh, voiceover good stuff and just the fact that he's continuing to improve his content as he goes, I feel like he could easily think, oh, I have this formula. It works. I don't need to keep, you know, making it fresh. But he's continuing to improve on his content. And I think he's just great at telling stories. Um, and I was going to say one other thing about Jack. Um I just really loved having him on for a second time and doing a different type of episode with him. I want to do that with more of the people that we have on where it's like, okay, we interviewed you or we had the traditional pod. Now, like, let's do an episode where, like, you kind of lead the conversation kind of like Jack did and and bring those tips for, for the rocks. My, my fellow Lakers employee, Abigail, Abigail, Abigail Field, this moment was, that was insane. I couldn't believe the full story of that. Unbelievable. <laughs> Just roll the clip. It was in Boston, and obviously it was a foul, mm. and they weren't playing the foul on the screen. So no one had evidence. Everyone was kind of like talking about the moment, but no one had any visuals to go with it. And I look at my camera, and I was with Rohan, and I was like, oh my gosh, like this is <laughs> clear as day. Like what? But obviously I'm not like, it was a weird situation. And uh, long story short, I showed someone who was not in the game because I knew like, I'm not going to show a player. I'm not going to show a coach. That's unprofessional. I showed someone who was not in the game. The person that was not in the game then told Patrick Beverly (laughs) and um, was like, and then Pat was like, let me see your camera. And at that time it was a, it was a rental camera. So I was like, he's either going to, show LeBron or show coach. That's like the first thing. And I'm not going to say no. I'm not going to say no. What are you going to do? No, Pat, you can't take my camera. I was like, yeah, look, because it's a foul. Yeah, yeah. He's like, let me see it. So he takes it. And then I'm like, hot. (laughs) 
I don't know what to do. So I'm just there. And then as soon as I turn around, gives him a tech. I thought it was his second tech of the game. So I thought he was thrown out of the game. Like everything escalated yeah. so yeah, fast. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. Because you're showing the ref right away, basically. Yeah, he grabbed it, went straight to the ref. And then like just straight technical, like gets thrown out. And then like, I couldn't even like sit outside in the arena the rest of the game. My stomach was just like. You were just oh, sick. No. And then I had our, uh, like some of my coworkers texted me and was like, you're okay. Like you're all good. Don't worry, you're a team player. Like way to go or like you know just being really nice about mm. it and i was like okay i think i'm okay <laughs> like, no one teaches you what to do in that scenario and right. i tried to handle it my best and that all worked out i guess well, i don't think it's ever happened no, no. i don't think yeah you're just trying to get a dub yeah. you know? yeah. that's the whole point of the team is to win games right yeah, exactly. and you're trying to help out win games what were you shooting on when you got that shot the r3 okay oh what lens um, was this like a 70 was, to 200, was, no. like super tight shot, like clear as day? It was 24 to 70. Um, I mean, focus is great. Everything just looks great. Like, <laughs> but, um, Ultra high. Yeah, yeah like could, nailed the shot. It's <laughs> like the, the first picture someone sees when they come to your website. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so much free press for canon like oh yeah. our oh canon gosh. rep i let him know i was like this is a really funny moment like that was the rental you know like everything's okay and he's like so many people have been emailing me like that and then like two months three months later he then let me know again like i'm still getting people telling me about that like yeah. you, you probably inspired a whole new generation of canon shooters <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, canon, yeah. It's off the, bat. the camera of the nba <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> that single play though would have stopped the foul that if they if they yeah. if they would have rolled if the NBA would have you know phoned in and been like let's see that let's see that play, I mean she did her work clear she did her job. clear as day of foul. And hearing her tell that story was so oh funny. my gosh Pat grabbing the camera she's so like you know like kind and like innocent and I was like I just felt so bad for her it the, was so epic the best part is that you can see in the replay Abigail in the background like Pat steals the camera and they're like oh shit yeah. And it's like, yeah, Damn, up. Yeah. Like, oh God. That photo is so cool of him holding the fucking holding the the meme is great. I bet Cannon was like, yes. Yeah, I, I know, dude. I just can't believe she has a handshake with LeBron. Yeah, that's so, so sick, cool. Dude. The next moment is with our good buddy Dylan Bradshaw, and I love Dylan because he's just got such a fun personality. Yeah, he's a good dude. He it's so interesting because he's kind of like Sam, where he can interweave between like we're joking around having a funny time and then like let me go serious in like yeah. director mode and uh, spit some game but it was really cool how Dylan was telling us there was a specific moment he was listening to something and it really turned his life around Wait, Dylan, so did you did you know all these guys when you came out because I know I know a lot of them are from the Midwest that are in this in this group that like your buddies with but did you have a couple people when you came out here was it pretty much just like I'm just gonna figure it out in LA yeah, so when I moved here, uh, I just full sent it. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a job set up. I uh, was had just graduated from UNC Wilmington studying film and uh, was working on a couple TV shows and, and a feature film here and there, just as a camera PA to learn and network as much as I could, uh, being like a fresh college grad in Ohio. But I knew I wanted to get out to Los Angeles, but I just, I was in a weird spot in my life. like kind of having an identity crisis, wasn't really like driven or didn't have a clear path, you know? And I was also in like a kind of a dark space, like toxic relationship at the time and with myself as well and with this girl and everything. So um, 
but I knew I needed to get out there. I could just feel this like calling or my intuition was like, you need to get to LA. Um, and I remember I was in Miami, Florida uh, in like January of 2020 and uh, just losing my mind. I was visiting this girl that I was dating at the time. Shouldn't have been there. I was just wasting it. And uh, was I threw in a podcast just to ease my sanity a little bit and listen to one of my favorite filmmakers at the time, who was actually Matt Como. He's being featured on a, another podcast. And uh, the the host was like, "Hey, do you have any advice that you would want the viewers to hear?" And of course, I'm like, "All right, turn it up a little bit." I'm like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like "Please, <laughs> give, me <laughs> yeah. Yeah. give me something." I mean, it's just like whatever. And um. Uh, he goes, Hey, I don't really believe in going out and finding yourself. Like you go out and you create yourself. Like you're not going to find anything. No one's going to come save you. Like you have to be the one to create the opportunities for yourself to grow and become the person that you like are supposed to be, that you are like destined or striving to become. Um, and you know, I literally, it was like a movie scene. I paused the podcast and I was, you know, standing in this Miami apartment by myself and thought, like, this is my life. Like, all these people, like, fam- my family and friends, they love me and they support me. But at the end of the day, like, it's it all comes down to me and my relationship with myself and what actions I'm going to take to, like, make this change in my life. Like, I remember even telling my mom, like, I, like, I don't, like, uh, like I'm not happy. I'm not. I, I don't like where I'm going with my life right now. I, I just. I just like. I hate my life. Like I. You know. This isn't a woe is me story or anything. I have a great family and stuff. But I just felt so lost, and uh, I took action. So I, I typed up a little copy paste message of, like, Hey, do you have anyone I could move in with? Like any friends who are looking for roommates in the next six to twelve months or anywhere I could look, and sent it off to like like twenty thirty people on Instagram. Most of them didn't even follow me back. Uh, at the time in Los Angeles and Atlanta and New York and uh, Florida, anywhere that there is some sort of film industry. And, you know, I sent it off. I was like, all right, let's see what happens. Set my phone down. Uh, and as soon as I set my phone down, it, it pings. And I was like, okay, pick it up. And this uh, young filmmaker who I looked up to for quite a while, we DM'd a little bit back and forth. And I loved his work. Uh, his name was Mitchell Mullins. He hit me up immediately and went, hey man, you just messaged me at the perfect time. Uh, we were about to sign a two-bedroom lease, but we want a third. Do you want to move in with us? Wow! Like within like a like thirty-second span, and <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, dude. I'm just like, yes, like I'm, yes, absolutely. Like whatever you need, yes. And a month later, I'm now in Los Angeles, living with Mitchell. I've I've broken up with the girlfriend, uh, and I'm in Matt Como's apartment, like kicking it with them and like celebrating Mitchell's birthday and and meeting this guy who doesn't even know the impact he had on my life and. At that moment, I was just like, anything's possible. Like, if you just believe in yourself and like bet on yourself and just take the action that you know you deserve and like nurture that relationship and get after it, like any anything is possible that you, you like dream of or, or want to get after. Like any of our dreams can come true if you just have like the courage to pursue them, you know? So uh, just crazy journey. There's so many other instances where my journey out here has just, it's all, it's almost been like a divine intervention of being in the right place at the right time with the right attitude. Hell yeah. Now, when, when you were in this dark place and you're dating this girl, right. And you're like, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to do this, what I'm doing right now in life. 
I'm sure a bunch of people have gone through a similar thing as you and might currently be in a situation that maybe isn't great for them. They might hate their job, may hate their spouse, significant other. <laughs> what advice do you have to them um, that where you were in that place that you told yourself to get you out of it? Because I know Matt saying this thing, like that sparked the the initial like domino effect that ended up bringing you out here and whatnot. Yeah. But what were those conversations like maybe internally and with, did you have them with friends or family or were you more like closed off and just dealing with it with yourself? Yeah. I mean, I, I luckily have a, a great circle of friends and family around me who I can talk to and seek wisdom and insight from, from their own life experiences. But uh, for me at that season of my life, it was just a matter of gaining that self-respect for myself. Uh, you know, within throughout college, I had some great experiences like creating films and projects, but you know, I had, I had, you know, failed here and there without, you know, didn't finish this future film project or didn't finish this other project and people were relying on me. And it definitely took a hit to the confidence. And, you know, we all go through these challenges and adversities where we fail or we let someone down. Uh, but you, you just can't define yourself by those those low points you have to just move past them or at least look at it in the most optimistic way you can and be like what can i learn from this like what can i do to move on and like stay focused so that i can not let down people who care about me again or or you know so i mean for me uh i remember everyone was just telling me what i needed to hear uh and i you know i, I just it just didn't matter because it it comes down to what you decide to do and I think a lot of the times in, in my life and maybe other people relate to this, but I usually know what I need to do. It's just a matter of working up the courage to just take action on it and like rip that bandit off. So whether it's like leaving a job or, or a relationship or a city um, or just like a lifestyle, uh, you just have to take that leap of faith because that's the only way to grow. That's the only way to learn is just is like that baptism by mm. fire. I mean, I mentioned earlier that I love listening to the Spider-Verse soundtrack to like amp myself up uh, as a director. But I mean, not even just because I love Spider-Man, but that like the Spider-Verse film is specifically the first one. One of my favorite scenes is when Miles Morales, spoiler alert, is uh, <laughs> he's up, he's become, about to become Spider-Man. Like he has the whole film, he's been struggling with his confidence, his identity. He's like, I'm not Spider-Man. Like I can't, I can't do this. Spider-Man's like up here. Are you kidding me? Like, I can't be Spider-Man. I can't be a film director. Like, that's not who I am. And when people are relying on him to, like, come save the day or whatever, uh, he, you know, puts on the suit and the mask. And he's finally up on the side of that skyscraper. If you guys know what scene I'm talking about, the famous one where he mm. jumps and, like, goes down, upside down. But as he's hanging out of the glass, he jumps off. And my that's my f favorite scene in the whole movie because his close-up shows, like, the glass shattering off of his fingers. And... You know, at first glance, it's just like, oh, that's cool. Like, whoa. But like the detail of that is the reason the glass shatters is because his fingers are still like Spider-Man, like clinging to the wall because he's scared because he didn't want to let go. So when he jumped, he ripped off the glass with him because he was like afraid to make that leap. And I think for anyone who's struggling with like making that big change in their life, you're always going to be afraid. You, you might be like terrified, but like that's the point like you're never going to be ready you just have to like work up the courage to like take that leap and i guarantee you like once you land it it'll be it'll be so worth it and you know it gets easier with time but actually i, I regress it does not get easier because as you make those leaps like you're going to want to make bigger and bigger jumps because you you kind of you gain that confidence you know and you gain that self-respect to just start sprinting in life 
Yeah, that's great. Have you had a chance to tell Matt Como about that? <laughs> yeah. uh, I did briefly a while back because uh, I just don't want to make it weird. Right. <laughs> I just, like, well, he's an avid listener of the podcast. I'm, oh, kidding, I'm, kidding, yeah. I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm like, dude, you changed my life. Because like, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like all about like be, be, a, be a friend, not a fan. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Matt's great. Like Matt's a great dude. We have a ton of mutual friends. We've hung out here and there and stuff. Um, but... I told him, I gave him like a spark note version a while back, but you know, regardless, he's made an awesome impact on me and I'm going to keep getting after it to like honor that and honor everybody who's ever believed in me. Oh, this one. He had to get one, you know, <laughs> blind squirrel. He looked at me before he said it. And I was like, he's doing blind that. squirrels finding nuts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's just how it goes. But he said though, in that clip, he was talking about how he watched a Matt Como. Mm-hmm. We just, we, we got to get him out on. One time, gotta get Matt Como on. Season dude. three, we gotta get him on. We gotta tell him how he's gotta stop following us. He's gotta stop following us, and we gotta figure out the arms thing, dude. How do you get bigger arms? We see him everywhere. I saw him running the other arms. day. He casually like ran a marathon. He posted yeah, he ran twenty six point two miles just for fun. Yeah, Dylan was saying that he his life was not going great, and then he listened to a Matt Como episode, and then he goes, "You know what? This life is in my hands. I feel right. like." I'm blaming everybody else or, or, you know, blaming certain things for why my life is the way it is right now. And the fact of the matter is it's under my control and he made a decision to move out to LA and his life completely changed since that moment. And what was really cool is during the podcast with Dylan, we were like, he was sharing his story and we go, you know, I bet you somebody listens to this episode and has the same sort of thing happen listening to you that happened when you listened to Matt Como and Dylan literally texted us like a couple weeks ago and was like dude I was on set and this PA came up to me and said that he listened to me on the 505 no podcast and, Didn't text me though. and he said he like teared up and <laughs> yeah it was, so a, it was a it was a three-person group chat. so rude dude yeah Unreal. but anyways Dylan told us Dylan told us that this kid literally came up to him on set and said that he listened to his episode and a very similar thing happened to him. That is so cool. Made the move. Yeah. Sick that the PA is listening to the 505 and then he's, ah, oh, that's fucking dumb, yeah. dude. Yeah, it's crazy, man. What a sick moment for him. It is a crazy moment when you realize that you're in control. Like You get stuck at a job and you're there and you're like, I gotta go do this, I gotta go do this. But you don't. You really literally don't. Like, it's not, like you can choose to do anything. You can choose to just fucking live on the street and not make any money. You get everything as a choice. And it's crazy to remember that. And it's really important because I yeah. feel like I forget all the time. Next up, we got Short Stash. The king. Dude. He he got a crazy, a crazy opportunity. His first ever big photo opportunity when he was starting out. He, uh, he was missing something, mm. let's say. Roll that clip. Why go to Norway for the film? And then why specifically these three guys bring them together. Obviously you're super close with all of them and like they hold a special place in your heart. Um, but why the decision to go to Norway and bring mm-hmm. these specific guys together? Sure. So the point was, uh, in reality, even pitching it to Canon, I said with or without them, when I had signed with them, I was like, Hey, I'm going to do this passion project anyway. If you guys want to be a part of it, it actually be make a lot of sense. Um, it was the reason for going, not the reason for the film. And I realized that later on, I was like, you know, this is like a time to make something way bigger than just like myself of like, I'm going back. What it was is I was a designer and art director for seven years in creative agencies before I got into photography. And uh, Norway was the first country I visited outside of the U.S. Besides like Mexico, I'm from Texas. And so um, 
Norway was the first country and it was a job. It was my first real photography job that led me out there that I left my design job for. So this company now clothing wanted hired me and Adrian, who's on the trip and another buddy to be like, Hey, pick a country, get your boys. We're going to outfit you do what you do. And I was like, this is insane. You're going to pay us. And then it was like, yeah, we have these and we have this rate. I probably lowballed it at the time, but it was a lot of money for us. And yeah. I was like, shit, like, uh, I was still shooting on my phone and I was like, I need to get a real camera and, <laughs> and, uh, and I need to get, uh, probably some lenses and shit that I can, you know, I did if we're gonna be shooting this stuff, I can't use my phone. Cause for, I kind of took off on Instagram with just my phone. I didn't really have a lot of money and I just wasn't making hardly anything in my design jobs. I loved it. I was in Colorado at the time amazing jobs i was working on in clients but just i was making like 35 37 000 a year man living in denver wow that was just nothing and so the weekends were the only time i could survive to just go explore at a cheaper cost i couldn't go to bars couldn't do anything else because it's just like just didn't afford it loved my job not enough to you know and i got a different job in boulder loved that one but at the time it was like photography was picking up and I was like, this shit is very fun and I love it. And I'm in the moment and we're doing all this fun shit. And now companies are like, Hey, we're going to send you this kayak. Hey, we're going to send you all this gear that stuff that I was going to pay for and buy. And we're like, at the time you have no idea. And they're like, yeah, just post a photo for us. Like I would shoot this shit anyway, but you guys are gonna give me like a $2,000 kayak and like fit us out in like five grand worth of gear. It's like, great. So Back then it was different because people were really trying to put, that was social media, uh, like advertising was not even a thing. Influencer is not a word and I hate that word. I'm more known as like a craftsman and like an artist, right? Like we're all known for our craft. This influencing shit is just like, it is a thing. Obviously people make really good money, but that word is just like, it is the worst, but that's what was happening back then. And so anyway, they uh, hit us up and were like, hey, pick a place and we're like Norway seems like the most expensive country in the world right now. <laughs> it is. bro I studied abroad there Dude, shit is unreal <laughs> cook every meal yeah every yeah meal. unreal very expensive place Jason would cook every I did, meal. every Dude. single one did but for me, it was like, dude, I love Scandinavian design. I love in like interior design. I love architectural design. I was like, this place is sick. You know, we'd seen a lot of stuff, some on social media. I had a bunch of homies via Instagram who lived in Germany who had kind of made their way up there sometimes. And just, it was pretty unknown at the time. A lot of this was like Google searching and places to go and like little Nordic cabins to stay in very much out of like our wheelhouse of like, this is kind of an unknown spot, but very cool. And, um, so anyway, they they were like, this is perfect. That aligns with our brand too. Like that's, that's great. So we did it. And, uh, anyway, long story short, I ripped the rug out from underneath me, left my job, gave him plenty of notice, but left my design job, came back and was freelance ever since. And so I was like, after I get back from Norway, I am making shit happen nonstop. I am going to be shooting anything, dog portraits, family photos, graduation. I didn't care. Money was money. 200 bucks here, 400 bucks there. I was like, yeah, I'm making way more money than I was designing. Um, I have no health insurance or any of that, but I'm also just like my own schedule. Right. And so anyway, long story short, uh, seven years after that was when we went to Norway last year. Um, I wanted to go back with one of my same homies, Adrian, um, and actually see some of the stuff we didn't get to see the last time and then bring two of my closest buddies in. And, uh, the reason for Canon was like, that's the starter gear. I, I had like a nifty 50 and like a 10 to 20 lens. And, uh, those two, that was it. I only had two lenses and I had a, um, 60 D and, uh, that was it. 
and then just like took off with it. And um, so seven years later, signed to the same brand. And back then, that's what I started with, but then signed with them to go back. So that was the reason for going back. Um, but that was just like, that's not enough of a story. You know, that was a part in the film where I was like, hey, it's in that trailer. I said, it's good to be back, like after all these years. Um, but then it dives into like, wow, we're actually being there. So that's, that's kind of awesome. why the crew. And then also I needed people who I could trust filming, obviously. And then dudes, I would just love it. And everybody wanted to go back. Uh, well, Cass had never been, uh, RJ had never been. And so fresh to them. And then Adrian and I were like, we got to go back and hit some of these places we just couldn't do. So that's why. What would you do if you got hit up by a huge brand to bounce out of the country and you just had the phone? Would you show up with a big briefcase and like four assistants with your phone yeah. and like a white glove? Yeah. <laughs> and then you, like, you like pull it out and you're like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it definitely would be a big Pelican case Gold with plated. just one phone in the middle. And it just makes it feel like it's your thing and you're the best at it. What, yeah, I can't believe he pulled that off, dude. What's also crazy is the cameras on iPhones were like good back in the day. Nothing to what Not they great. are now. So the fact that he was creating that sick of content to a point where a brand wanted to literally fly him right. out of the country to create content off of it must have been like an iPhone like between one and four. And it's just, it goes to show that like you have no excuse. We all, I would argue 99% of the people who listen to this podcast have some sort of smartphone yeah. that can shoot incredible video and take incredible photos. So if you're making the excuse of, I don't have the latest, greatest gear, it's just not an, an excuse anymore because our phones can create incredible content. Capping it off with our good buddy, Alex Subers. Alex shot one of the coolest covers in sports this year with our good buddy Tyrese Maxey. Let's roll that clip. You just put out a, a crazy magazine cover with Slam. A little collaboration, Tyrese Maxey. Yes. Tell me about how that came to be. When did you actually shoot the campaign? So that was shot in early, Jul or early January. It was shot January 4th. The cover came out January 31st. So I feel like that stuff always kind of happens pretty quickly. Like, I don't think they can have too much lead time just based on like what if they don't start what if they you know aren't playing well or things change or they get hurt like you can't really plan a cover that far in advance so it kind of it's always a pretty quick turnaround from like the shoot to cover release um i mean that happened i think they hit me up like two weeks before the actual date and we're like obviously we want to do this you have the relationship with tyrese that you know used to be with the sixers all that stuff right so that was kind of a no-brainer like let's do it i think slam is one of those things that you do no matter what because it's just dope and it's legendary right in the basketball space so always psyched like the that was my second one did the james one uh last year but i think this one meant more to me because with tyrese i've known him since before he got drafted to the sixers so when i was spending my summers out in la i would go to chris johnson's gym shoot workouts there so Tyrese would work out there so before he even got drafted after Kentucky I would watch him work out and I've kind of seen this kid from go from like college to being drafted by the team that I was working for which was super dope so I've known him now for like six years been watching kind of like all the hard work all the effort right so I think to to be able to like shoot this thing for him watch it kind of come full circle see you know, him get the all-star nod, the slam cover all in the same week. Like 
that was pretty dope. Like, there's no one that deserves it more than him. Like, he's a good, good fucking kid. So does Slam come to you and say, hey, we want you to shoot this cover. It's for Tyrese. And then are you just shooting him a text and be like, dude, we're about to be on set together? <laughs> yeah, so I actually, helped, I, I actually kind of helped put it together where, like, they were like, yeah, we haven't, like, we want to do it with him, but we haven't totally locked it in yet. And I was like, I literally hung up and was like, hold on. Say less. I hung up, I called, and I was like, dude, we're doing this. <laughs> like, and within like 20 minutes, like the thing was set up. Like it was done. Wow. Yeah. And you did it, did you shoot it in Philly or where did we you? We shot it at the uh, practice facility. At the practice yeah. facility. Yeah. Okay. And tell me about like when, when you're shooting uh, the team, right? Back in the day when you were working for the Sixers, it's a lot of, you can't really control what is happening. Yes. You show up to the game and we, we get what we get. And it's like, yep. you can't be like, hey, could you stand right, right. right there and let me get this, you yeah. know? So when you have a setup studio session, how long do you have to get this to get this cover photo? Yeah, I think, I mean, that shoot, we probably, I probably had an hour for photo and then Slam did their, their video stuff and interview after, right? So we probably had like two hours total, which is actually a, a long it's time. It's a good amount of time. Yeah, it's a long time. In NBA land, yeah, yeah. that's a long time. But even when we did, when we did the Harden one last year, like I think when it comes to Slam, I think these guys want to do it and they're willing to give you more time. So I, even with James, like I think I had an hour, like close to an hour, which oh, is wow. a lot. So you got a lot of poses. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. like there's tons of like, I mean, the amount of like actual selects or options that that were available for them to choose from was yeah a lot. Um, and do you send but, those back to them, or, or you, do you send them to Tyrese and you're like, hey, what I think no, you, so, no. So I sent them to Slam. What I usually do for any shoot, but what I did for this one was I sent all the low res JPEGs just immediately so that they can kind of start looking through, do compositions, whatever, right? But I also hate sending unedited stuff because I think yeah. it looks horrible, right? Especially like a low res JPEG that's on it, like. No. So I'll always with that link to, to all the low res JPEGs, I'll send like 25 or 30 of like my selects that I think are dope and I'll edit those. Not anything like, not like a super crazy edit. Like obviously there needs to be more done, but like a nice base level, something that's, that looks good, right? Yes, it has something. It has something. Yeah. Like, hey, here's what these could look like, right? <laughs> like it doesn't, they don't look like this shit. And yeah. So... That's what I did with them, and I think they, I, th I think they ended up just like kind of trusting my selects, and I don't even know if they looked through the, the, the larger folder. I think they just kind of looked at like the thirty or forty that I sent, and it was funny because the one that they, the, the actual image that they chose for the cover was the same one that, like in my mind, I was like, this is the one I want them to use. So when they called me and they're like, "What do you think? Like, do you think that he'd be down with this one?" I was like, "Dude, that's the same one that I wanted." So the fact that both of us wanted the same image like that that's that's the one and that's how you know that's how you know like if both of us came back and we're like this one's killer like yeah. this one we got to use then and so you shoot on a 1dx mark 3 right yeah i shot but because it was for print like the 1dx mark 3, like the it's kind of a dinosaur at this point like yeah you're, megapixel you're wise use, like, you're using a huge that's, that's a big camera so and even like megapixel wise it's only like 20 or 23 oh, like I it's like not that. yeah yeah so but it was the it was the speed shooter of its era it was you know it was, it was like, like that, that thing yeah, came yeah. out and it was like oh yeah, you can like shoot six like, years ago so yeah, yeah that was ridiculous at yeah. the time period it sounds so, like a freaking train <laughs> you know <laughs> it does so i didn't shoot the cover on that because i also was a little bit nervous on like it's for print and like it's gonna be you know it's a decent size it's a magazine cover like i want to make sure if they need to crop in on an image it's you know there's enough data there and it's going to look good it's going to look crisp no matter what on the print right so i shot that on a oh my god well, i don't even remember uh canon the, or yeah it was the r5 
It was like an R5C, but the, the sure. R5C still does stills like just as well as. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the R5 and the C7 had a baby. Yeah. Yeah. It was actually kind of a beast. Like I actually really enjoyed the camera. It was good. It's um, crazy how there's such good hybrid cameras yeah. now. It's that's, insane. I, that's, what, that's what our other uh, our other old roommate Chase. That's what he wants. He wants to sell was, the C70, get the R5C. It was a beast. And like, you, I, I loved it. Actually. Are you? Do you do both photo and video or are you just photo? I'm, I would say I specialize in photo. I'll okay. do video if I need to. Sure. Uh, it's not what I love to do. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Can you talk to us about, you were telling us how there's, you know, you have to have space around the yeah. athlete yeah. because so much text is going on yeah. the cover. I think that's, the, yeah, with the, with the slam covers, the toughest thing is like, when you get that opportunity, you want to make it dope. Sure. Right. Like that, you don't get the opportunity to do the cover a lot you want to make it as sick as you can, right? Like, you don't you don't want to look back afterwards and be like, man, like, I, I don't know. Like, I guess, like, I feel like I could have done this better. I could have done it. Like, so going into it, th- it was funny. The, the learning curve that I had to have with doing my first one with the Harden cover, right? Where, like, I wanted to have, like, a crazy background and, like, kind of make it chaotic and all this stuff. And they're like, we can't, we can't do that. Like, it's got to be a plain background because you're putting all this text on the mag, like, it needs to be simple. The photo needs to be simple. So it's a tough balance between wanting to do something different, wanting to make it look dope, but you have to kind of fall in line with like the requirements almost of the cover, right? It needs to be simple. It needs to be a clean background. There has to be space for the text. So there's a lot of like, there's a lot of things about it that kind of limit you. So if you look at a lot of them, like a lot of them end up being waist up, you know, direct to camera. You want to make sure you see the the team logo on the jersey, things like that. Like you can't really do like totally sideways or, you know, a, a, a super close up, right? Because if it's just like the face, like you're going to miss. And they do some like that, but for the most part, they want to see the team logo. So there's, if you look, most of the covers are like a waist up, direct to camera, straightforward right and so with this one with Tyrese I wanted to try and do something different and with him he's also such a he's got such a like a, a personable aura. Uh, just aura and like his personality is amazing right I don't want him looking direct to camera with his arms crossed looking tough that's not who he is you also can't have him cheesing and like smiling like that's gonna look like a school like, so yeah seven, like, seventh not, grade. <laughs> right like that's not cool either uh, right and like but like, that's how his personality is mm-hmm. like he is like a very like he's he's fun and, and joyful and all that right so i'm like how am i gonna like make this fun and semi-different and like still get some personality out of it but not like him sitting there cheesing like a seventh grade like team uh-huh. soccer team portrait or whatever right so that's when i was like let me get let me like try the fisheye, right? So I rented a fisheye for the shoot. Just thought that like maybe that would give it a little bit of a wacky look and kind of bring out some personality. And like, I think it worked. I was telling you guys like the, I think what happens with that is you're, a, I mean, with the fisheye, you're so close, right? Like you're a foot away, you're right in their face. So it kind of leaves them no option but to interact with the camera and give you some personality. Bring It brings something out. Versus if you're shooting with a 50 or, or you're at 70 and you're 10 feet away, 15 feet away, 
they're not going to interact with the camera, right? Like there's, there's, you're, you're so far away. The image is going to feel a little bit more flat. There's, you know, so I think, I think what happened was being right there, being that close, having him interact with the camera, kind of making faces towards the camera. It got this portrait that showed personality, but it wasn't smiling. And it also wasn't like trying to act tough. I think I think it ended up being a good balance of, of all of those things. So how many times would you swap lenses and what, what else did you bring in the kit? I think I just shot I, I mean I shot most of it on twenty four to seventy and then I switched for the last like five minutes onto the fisheye. Like there were, I probably only took a few fisheye shots. But and that and that was the one that ended up getting picked. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's so Yeah, wild. I would say like eighty five percent of the shoot, ninety percent of the shoot was just done on a twenty four to seventy and then I switched for the last like five minutes. Do you enjoy working with the with the lights or do you prefer to be outside capturing it just natural kind of how it is? I actually like doing doing stuff with the lights. Um it gives you a little bit more creativity, right? Like if you're outside and you're just dealing with like sunlight or whatever, like you're you're kinda hindered a little bit, right? So I like being able to control things. I like being able to control the mood, all those things, right? The funny thing with the the fisheye shots is like, I was so close that I started, I didn't realize I was blocking the light. So like, after like the first five minutes of using it, I like looked at some of the photos and I was like, these look sick. And I was like, wait, like the, the his like whole half of his jersey is in the sh- like in shadows. Like, why is it dark? And I literally couldn't think of it. I was like looking at the light, trying to figure out like, is this one not firing? <laughs> I realized it's just my dumb ass standing like literally right in front of him blocking the key light. Mm-hmm. So I ended up having to move. I switched. I switched the key light to just like a beauty dish. So it was a little bit smaller. And I had to just, I turned the power down and just brought it like literally right behind my head so that I wasn't blocking the light and, and creating shadow. But that was, that was a little tricky one. He brought up so many good points. I thought during his episode two about when he was with Tyrese, he's trying to figure out a way to make this unique. He's trying to not just have a ball like hanging out on their side because when they're doing a magazine, they got all the text that has to go like around the athlete. So you don't really think about that. You're like, oh, they're trying to get unique and whatnot. So he even brought out like a fisheye lens and was inches away from his face trying to get just a, you know, sort of a different look. I thought that was really cool. What it just, it's crazy the creativity that goes into something like that. You don't even think about it, you know? He had to worry about having enough space around the player to have all the text and there's little things like that that you don't think of you kind of just see the final image you're like that was really cool Mm -hmm. and then it was like because when he switched the fisheye he got super close and he was looking at the photos and he was blocking the light originally so then he was like what the heck is wrong with these fucking (laughs) photos and then he was saying how he literally switched to the fisheye five minutes before the shoot was done he did a whole like you know hour hour and a half shoot and then the last five minutes he switched the fisheye and I find that as well. Like, if I'm on a shoot, like, oh, the last shots are kind of always the best. Like, you're warmed yeah. up, and maybe you're you're give yourself enough time to try something funky at the very end. I find I'm the best in the last five minutes for sure. <laughs> <Nice>. Yeah, <laughs> bro, ninety nine, crazy, ninety nine. Can you believe it? Made it this yeah, far. I can believe it. One hundred. We're gonna we're gonna actually be at Sam Newton's film festival. We will have a little a little setup right outside of where where the people are going to be, That's gonna be showing fun. their videos. That's gonna be fun. God, I can't wait. That's on February twenty fourth. Yeah, dude. I'm very hyped for that. Ladies and gentlemen, episode ninety nine of the Five O Five Podcast. If you're still here, please make sure to cop a leisure, drop us a like, give us a sub, throw a comment down below, and we'll see you guys all at a hundred. Peace.